This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday to you. Man, you're back at it, at it again, and uh, we are excited to be with you again. Dr. Matt here, along with Cole and Terry, the gang's here. Jeff is uh, already started his turkey holiday. Lucky. He's already, he already gets to drive with the family 10, 10 hours to L.A. Lucky. And then the rest of us just have to sit here and talk and do the news. Well, it's going to be a great show. We uh, we got a lot to cover. Uh, Joe Canna will be joining us um, in a few minutes. Joe is our Washington insider, Joe in the know. And usually ever since Trump was elected, Joe's answer is pretty much like, ah, I don't know. I don't know on this one. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to know because it's just it's just the president tweeting a father of three basketball players. Right. That's like the latest story. But it's like the president of the United States wouldn't well, need to do this. He was responding to a direct attack on um, the legitimacy of his existence. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, he knows he exists, right? Well, I, I, I think he's concerned that the father doesn't know. Yeah. But the father, I mean, does know. Does he? Well, he tweeted about him. Well, his, his response was people said, you know, should your son who? apologize directly to President Trump? And he's like, who? So maybe Trump was like, maybe I need to inform him who I am. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's the the reason we had this over the weekend. Yeah, or, or the guy's just playing with him, basically. Yeah, and we're trying know. to sell shoes. Either way. Yeah, it could be either way. Yeah, and the most powerful man in the world takes the bait, starts arguing with. That's rude. The the father of three NBA or two NBA stars and a, one no one NBA star, college star, and a high school star. Yeah, and they're not really a star. He's he's a name that can't hit a three, but that's fine. But who can? Honestly, half the league can. Yeah. He can't. Nice. He keeps trying though. Keep shooting that ball. Crazy. So we'll talk to Joe. See if uh, there's any import there. Plus the bit the big tax bill should be. We got to be moving that along. But after, now it's after Thanksgiving. But now people are starting to say, oh, I'm not sure. Yeah. Collins uh, of Maine is like. Mm. There's. There's a couple senators who are like, I can't do this. It's hard. Uh, Charles Manson is dead as well. Got to talk about that. By the way, his, his murders took place when I was born. Wow. The year I was born. So my entire life, this man's been in jail. Yeah. Yeah. 83 years old, I think, guess died of natural causes. He was a scary dude. Mm. Scary dude. Helter Skelter. Thought the Beatles were starting a, mo- a movement. <laughs> They kind of were. A little bit. I mean, Not like that a, kind of No, movement, like a rock but, and roll movement. Yeah. But. This guy wanted, I don't know, race wars. Yeah. Nine people uh, he's alleged to have killed and been responsible for their deaths. Hmm. Unbelievable. What's. What. And TMZ's covering it. Well, of course. But he, I mean, he's been in and out of the hospital the last few years. And yeah. Finally. It got him. Got him. <laughs> I mean, he's not. He. It's almost to the point where he's he's got this sort of public persona that's beyond. Oh, yeah. His crime. He's yeah. just like this face of of just what's wrong with with yeah. humanity. And now he died. Yeah. So it's like okay, good. Now he's off the off the table. Moving on. Yeah, he's off the globe. Yeah. Now he's. You know. Wherever he ends up. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's hard to even. What do you say? I mean, you don't want to talk about serial killers being dead too much because you don't want to promote serial killing. Right. But, it, you know, he's gone. God bless America. There's so many people out there who know all about this because they lived through it. Oh. You know, and it's it's horrible. And it was but... a scary. It was a scary time. It was a weird, crazy time. He was a guru. Big, you know, had 18 people living at his house because he loved him. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of a, a crazy story. Uh, let's get to the headlines then, Terry. What can we talk about that doesn't involve murder and mayhem? Oh, well, let me look White through my House. stories here quickly. Uh, it says investigators and in, uh, in special counsel Robert Mueller's ongoing Russia probe have directed the Justice Department to hand over communications on former FBI Director James Comey's firing ABC News reports. Uh-oh. Citing a source familiar with the matter, the report uh, said the investigators are seeking not only emails between Justice Department officials on the matter, but also communications with their White House co- uh, counterparts. The directive, which would mark the first records request by Mueller's team to the Justice Department, seems to suggest investigators are reviewing whether any officials obstructed the Russia investigation, which had been under Comey's control until his abrupt dismissal in May. President Trump, who has repeatedly ridiculed the ongoing Russia investigation, has dismissed claims of Russia election interference, said he was acting on the recommendations of Attorney General Jeff Sessions and Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein on firing Comey at the time. Right. Okay. So the the thought is, if you're not doing going after collusion, are you now going after obstruction of justice? Right. Oh, so is there's this yeah. pivot by Mueller's investigation away from Russian collusion to obstruction because they're looking specifically at what uh, what happened when Comey was fired, what, what Attorney General Jeff Sessions did because you know he recused himself. Right. Right. And then. It's been kind of a weird situation with him when it comes to details of conversations between him and the yeah. president. He goes, that's confidential. But it's only confidential if the president asks for it. The president hasn't asked for it. No. Right? The right. attorney general is just saying it's confidential. This so, is it's very, uh, I guess yeah. that's the benefit of being a special prosecutor, though, is you just take it. You just, you just follow the river, right? You just follow wherever it goes. And now it might be going into a little bit more of obstruction. There's and, also talk of... Maybe nine more contacts with uh, Russia with people in the Trump administration that have yet to be reported. Oh, wow. That Mueller's already investigating, looking into. Nine more on top of all the others. Never having any contact whatsoever is what the, yeah, the White House. administration and White House has said multiple times, but they're probably looking at multiple more contacts. So I don't know. The mm. whole, it's a slow drip. It's a drip, and it's infuriating because it you want to know more. Yeah, and it just keeps going. So the uh, the if you remember, um, I just forgot his name. The the lawyer for uh, Ty Cobb. That's right. Because oh, yeah. I was like famous baseball yeah. player. Famous. He's got a huge mustache. I didn't know he was a lawyer too. That's so, great. So Ty, well, it's, he's like some distant relative. It's a distant except relative it hasn't really been Cobb. established. But Ty Cobb, lawyer for President Trump, is like this will be done by Christmas. Now they're like, or actually, he wanted it done by thing. He wanted the like whole investigation 2020, by Mueller. Christmas 2020. No, he, actually, he said Thanksgiving at one point. Now he's saying Christmas. But people are saying this is going to be a long winter well, for the Trump White House. How would how would that attorney know when it's going to be done? He's. I think he's just trying to influence the yeah. whole thing by okay. giving out dates la, la. that don't Pretend mean anything. Pretend like it yeah. doesn't exist. The Alabama Media Group, which publishes uh, AL.com. Okay. AL yeah, yeah. being the abbreviated Alabama. title for Alabama. AL.com. 
uh, responded to the GOP Senate candidate Roy Moore's threats that AL.com retract and recant its prior stories and that it cease and desist from any further reporting about him, writing that the company rejects your demand. Uh, Michelle Holmes, vice president of content for AMG, who owns the Alabama Media Group, writes, as the letter outlines, these demands appear to show be a, a show of more than to be a show more than they are a serious attempt to question what we believe to be fully legitimate serious reporting. You have not explained how anything that we have uh, reported is untrue, inaccurate, or erroneous, nor do you provide any support for your position. Moore's attorney wrote to the media company after it reported that the Senate candidate had been banned from a local mall for predatory behavior that a fifth and that a fifth woman was accusing him of making uh, sexual advances towards her when she was a teenager. The AMG letter also warned that legal action could possibly reveal other important information about Moore. More about Moore. So Moore is saying he's going to sue. Okay, yeah. Now, if you if you see what Moore is doing, he's following the same sort of approach that President Trump did, right? right. You say it's fake news, you deny it all, and then you threaten lawsuits <laughs> that never happen. Yeah. Because he's threatened the New York Times, well, the Washington got, yeah, Post. For, yeah. you got to threaten done, a lawsuit right? now. Because... So you, you threaten the lawsuits, and then the um, they're, they're, he's saying that the, 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 uh, the media company is saying that if this actually goes to court, then we're all going to have to have to lay out all the details of what we've reported on. Oh, wow. And then you're going to have to refute every single claim with the witness in under the courtroom. Oath. Under oath. Are you willing to do this? And it's like, of course they're not. They're just trying to act tough. He's just – but, I mean, the thing is he's down in the polls and it looks like a Democrat could win. Possibly. So so the GOP, national GOP, has got to be like, what the mm-hmm. – the senators have got to be like, hold it. So do just you – give up now. Kellyanne Conway on TV this morning – Possibly suggesting that people should just vote for the guy because it's better for America. Not necessarily better that they have this kind of a person, but that, you know, then Republicans will have all the votes in in line ready to go for the agenda moving forward. Yeah, well. Over, you know, the moral question of should you vote for a guy who has all these allegations against him. This is Bannon's guy. Yeah. Handpicked. Handpicked by Steve Bannon. Okay. So, hmm. I don't know where this goes. It's, but the days are ticking away, right? There's, There's only 21 days left. Oh. December 12th. Wow. And then that weekend, Star Wars. We can just erase all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Remember, then, then we great. can get over it. Yeah. Uh, according to a new study based on a continuing national health survey, 60% of children and 50% of adults drank a sugary beverage on any given day in 2014, down from 79% of children and 61% of adults in 2003. So the numbers have dropped. The study published in the journal Obesity relied on a representative sample of 18,000 children to uh, 2 to 19 years old, 27,000 adults aged 20 and older. They were asked about their beverage consumption over the past 24 hours, juice, juice, milk, sugar, and diet soda, coffee, tea, sports drinks, water, and alcohol. Per capita consumption of all drinks declined. Uh, Children took in, uh, what, 312 drink calories a day in 2014 compared to 473 a day in 2003. Wow. So calories have dropped. Uh, Same thing with the adults. Most of that decline was driven by a reduction in the number of people drinking sugar-sweetened beverages and lower consumption among those who still drink who uh, still drink them so everyone's drinking less boy soda overall and most people are replacing with water really yeah that's surprising so we got some positive news when it comes to the probably biggest thing causing obesity in the country that's now that why just because we're educating people more i think so 
I think there's just a lot more talk about you know consuming sugar calories through your liquids, drink yeah. water, drink, be more healthy that yeah, way. That's great. And the uh, beverage companies are trying to adjust. There's new types of water, even though it's all just water. Yeah, we got we got your calcium water. <laughs> we got your. Uh... It's really funny to to read the marketing on. Isn't this just water? Yes, it's just water. Okay, but especially you know enriched water. Yes, it's it's infused with ions and things. Ooh, yeah. Have you ever I- been ion water. infused? No, I have not. Have you? Yeah, really? hurts. Hurts Does it? bad. Mm-hmm. Wow. Maybe there's a less painful way to doubt it. Really? Doubt it. No. Can you just do do it in pill they're form. They're ions. I mean. All right. Yeah. And finally, the personal note. Yeah. Justice League may be the number one <sighs> movie in America. Yeah. But also has the dubious distinction of being the lowest opening film in the DC Comics yeah. extended universe. Kind of limping. $96 million, which is a pretty big number for most movies. Not for this one, though. Yeah. It was about $14 million under expectations. It made less than Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Wonder Woman, the other movies that yeah. would be in the family of movies. So what? why is it so gimpy? Why is it so lame? I blame Rotten Tomatoes. Really? No. Because they, they tried to control the Rotten Tomatoes release. They attempted, yeah. And, but it leaked out. Yeah. I... Th- I I watched it. I was entertained. It was a fine movie. But maybe it's just maybe maybe it's over. Maybe the series is done. No, they're going to keep cranking these things maybe out. Maybe Justice League. Maybe there's no justice for Justice League. No. Maybe there's no league. They had some teases at the end. They're going to continue this thing. It's going to be a long Maybe it's like the NFL. Road. They're just struggling a little bit. Could be. It's kind of a ratings problem. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. But it was a fun movie. Maybe it's like the NBA. Too much talent on too few teams. Really? I guess. <laughs> you guess. Uh, no, take your family. It's good. Yeah. Stuff blows up. Guys run fast. Guys fly. Guys don't fly. Yeah. Guys shoot lasers. Any girls in the thing? Yeah, there's Wonder Woman. She's probably the highlight of the whole movie. Of course. Again. She pops in there and you're like, wow. Does she use her lasso? Oh, yeah. There's a whole scene where they sit on the lasso. People start talking. Sounds good. It's funny. There's there's parts in it that are quite funny. Was it worth all the talk? What do you mean all the talk? How much time you've spent talking about it? I believe so, yes. And th- there is a controversy. What? Because halfway through, they changed directors. Oh, right? can so you the, tell? Like, well, there's some points where you can you can really well. I I couldn't. I just watched yeah. the movie, but people Jeff could. Apparently, people can't watch movies anymore. They have to dissect them as they watch them, and you really can't enjoy it. No, yeah, right. So I just watched to enjoy, but uh, people dissected it, and they're like, you can tell where the first guy had his vision, and where the second guy came in and changed that vision. Now there's a petition online. People want the first director's cut. Oh, really? To see what the original idea was supposed to be versus what we got. What would that get them? Um, that another seems... movie. Oh, please. With a bunch of scenes that were cut out, that were shown in trailers that were cut out from the final movie that you never saw. Can't we just let this one fail the, no. way, the way it should? It's brilliant. Hmm. I feel like I'm... I don't know. I feel like I'm just not into that. Okay. I mean, I know... Watch some movie that has like emotion and some sort of like moral, you know, great like yeah, writing. <sighs> no, words. don't do that. Like, what if we watched a show that just had words and stuff? Go fi- go watch some people fight. Well, they're not even people. They're called metahumans. Fight a alien invasion. That's what you need to do. 
You there's know what some, I'd rather there's watch. some interpersonal con- conflict. There's like a tank and and some troop carrier like airplane stuff. The Batman crashes. You got to see all this. Yeesh. No. No. All right. Wouldn't you rather watch the Georgia Dome come Implode? down? I heard that one up about what? Just seven thirty Eastern. Yeah. Super cool. I love a good implosion. It's right next to the new stadium. Yeah, that's got to be scary. Like the new stadium, it, it looks like it's about. Maybe 50 feet away. Yeah. And they just drop this building next door to it. It really is amazing. Yeah. I mean, we're really good at implosions. We can blow stuff up, yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> never could we do it that professionally. Like, it just falls right in place. Not even, in fact, like, hardly any dust is even getting on the new building. Wow. Only in America. Right. Now all they have to do is fix the roof on the new building so it can actually open and it'll be perfect. Yeah. They broke the sunroof. Oh, they did? A multi-billion dollar stadium and the sunroof won't open. Oh, boy. Is it under warranty? It you, better you be. probably take it. <laughs> it's a crazy warranty. Take it back in. Have them fix your sunroof. By the way, biggest regret of my car that I bought yeah. after no regretting the car was the sunroof. I, do you I, have one? I don't have one. Do you want one? Yeah. Why? Uh, sun. You're, why? Just get out of the car. Mm. I'd rather be in the car. In the car with, with sun. the sun just beating down on me. Yeah, my wife has a sunroof. I've never understood why. Because my my son my my boy my son your son wants the sunroof open yeah. all the time. Oh, yeah. And I always tell him no. And then he he asks me, Dad, do you do you have a sunroof? Like, no. Look at the roof of the car. You can why see. Why don't the- Why don't you have one? I didn't want one. So you don't want to be cool. I don't see why. What the point no, is? No, all the cool people have sunroofs. It's, I, it's a feature. Eh, it's I don't want to see the outside world. Don't you want like the wind blowing in your hair? No. Because then it's too loud. You can't hear what you're trying to listen to. Just turn your music up. Eh. <sighs> then it's so loud and then someone's crying in the backseat because it's yeah. too loud. Just it's so much frustration. Got to get a sunroof. Nah. You don't need it now, but back then you did. Uh, you know, back in the summer when it was nice and cozy and warm. Well, then don't you have just another point where you could have some sort of leak through the... No. Weather stripping no. and then yeah. let all the cold air well, in sure. and then you freeze out. In the out. 70s, yeah, that was a big deal. It's not 70s. a big deal anymore? No. All right. Now we have- What if it leaks when it's no, raining? now it seals. You can, it, they seal right up But now. it could at some point. Man, and then you have you? that like problem. A, Whereas, like an 85-year-old man worried <laughs> about now, the roof leaking. I don't have like a hole in my roof already, so it won't leak. Yours has, if, if you had one, you don't. But if you did, it would have a possibility of leaking. Holy cow. Yeah. Just think about that. If you don't cut the hole in the roof, there's no chance of leaking. Yeah, that is like that's so just an 80 year, eighty year old argument. Worried that don't put a hole in my roof. <laughs> it's my dad when I was a kid. He was never get power locks, never get power would, windows. No, that's exactly what it's mine just was something saying. else that breaks. Yeah. What just, does he have now? Power locks, power windows. Yeah, but I bet he, I bet he, it could break. Back in the day, you used to be able to fix your own car. <laughs> that was always his argument. Isn't it cool? Just the arguments that you used to make. That's oh, true. man. We're learning so much. Hey, uh, straight up, uh, straight ahead, Joe Cannon's going to be joining us. We're going to be talking about politics, just trying to get his take on what do you do? What do you do with a Roy Moore um, when it looks like he could lose to the Democrat? Now do you have to go embrace the guy so he can get elected so then you could reject him? Does the guy need to be elected to be rejected? We'll talk about it. Plus, Al Frank and all these other stories that are coming out. We're going to get a little uh, insider view on what's happening in Washington, D.C. with Joe Cannon. Straight ahead.
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, you know, whenever it's Monday and uh, we've had the president tweeting, it's time to bring in Joe Cannon. Joe is our Washington insider. We call him Joe in the know. He really is just a very well-connected and smart person that uh, has spent a lot of his life dealing with politics and politicians. So we like to have him here on the show to just help us get some insight. Joe, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Matt. Hey, um, what do you think of uh, what I, I've, the whole time? I've been waiting all weekend to ask you this one question. What do you do with Roy Moore? So he's now <laughs> he's now he's now what five to eight points down in the polls. It looks like the Democrat that he's running against in this special election um, may actually win. But he's got a, he's just I don't know. More and more people keep coming out accusing him of um, of abuse and and other issues and other things. So what do you do? You can't you got to you got to get him elected, but then you want to then you're going to get rid of him. So the, can 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 the GOP win on this topic? Boy, it's such a nightmare for the Republicans because you know, I mean, in, in any other well, in most other states, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. He'd just be a, a loser. Yeah, you know, he you cannot take him off the ballot. Uh, so the, the it's going to be what it is. The Secretary of State or the Lieutenant Governor, whoever the elections official down there, said now numerous times he's on the ballot. They're going to go ahead with the election. That's that. So you think, well, okay, how can a guy win an election like that? That's <laughs> uh, you know most states, but you know, Donald Trump took Alabama by sixty-three percent. Oh wow, thirty-five. So it's a very deep red state. I think it's last Democrat left office in the nineties, and that was a guy named Howell Heflin, who, for all intents and purposes, was a Republican anyway. Uh, you know, is a, a Dixiecrat. He wasn't really a Dixiecrat, but he was a, um, a conser- very conservative Democrat on most issues. So, yeah, I just it's um, yeah on the face of it, you say, how could Alabama elect a, a guy named Roy Moore who has had so many allegations against which the only thing he responds is, well, no. Although even initially his responses weren't even that good. It was <laughs> like, well, that's inconsistent with my behavior. Yeah. Or that, that doesn't sound like and, me. <laughs> yeah, that's not a very convincing thing. If you say no, and heck no, is pretty, a lot more convincing. Yeah, really. And and so you've got you know a lot a lot of smoke here, and some of it seems pretty well grounded. Hard, hard to see how none of it is true. Mm. But On then the you can't hand, even actually, bring it up. Like the White House can't even bring it up, right? Because I mean, it, it'll just un, it'll just open up a can of worms for the president. Well, yeah, that's true. Although I guess he did comment on Al Franken. So yeah, we'll, no, exactly. We'll talk about that later. But yeah, yeah, no, it's just it's it's a situation where you know, like I said, a lot of states where it's a, a closer Democrat Republican, um, you know, a voting population, he'd be there'd be no chance. But we've got this deep red state. I, I'm pretty sure. You know, I want to respect Alabamian voters. Yeah. I mean, I doubt I think a lot of them are saying, yeah, OK, the guy's clearly a problem. But does that mean we want to elect a Democrat that's going to be there for six years? Um, so it would be really interesting. So, so I, I looked really hard this morning. I could only find 
the, the latest poll I found was still the Fox poll of last week, which does show an 8% yeah. gap. And, it showed, and, and if you look at the internals of the polls, you know, of course, as you might expect, I mean, women just shot up in terms of uh, uh, supporting the Democrat over the Republican. But, but Crazy. I mean, I'm sure there will be some more polls this week. Oh, yeah. You know, we're, we're getting close. Getting close, and I guess I guess the big thing is then um, this. It's already there's only really a two point uh, advantage to the GOP in the Senate, if if I'm correct, and this would eliminate one of those two points. So it would really bring everything down to just uh, you know a one or two person swing vote. Right. I mean, in the case of a tie, you do have the vice president, so there's there's that issue. But I think one of the reasons everyone's trying to get there are multiple reasons, and I guess we're going to talk about tax later. But one of the reasons there's so much pressure to get this vote done is to um, get it done while there's still an, an extra Republican vote in the Senate. Does is this? It seems like there was better management, and I don't know what role a president has. I mean, I'm, I, I'm assuming that the, the the sitting president that is a Republican would pretty much be in control of the GOP in the United States. Is in in other underneath other presidents would that would this also have happened? Would there would, or would there have been a tighter communication, better communication, and um, you know a better choice of of candidates because this seems like a bannon choice um right and so would this be different under another president another republican uh, I, president? I don't know i mean you know in this particular case it, it played out almost exactly like it would in any democrat or republican presidency you had you had a primary uh the president forget about that it's trump for a second the president supported the kind of you know, consensus candidate, the, the existing, the current, I should say, the current uh, senator who was picked by the governor, picked by the establishment of the state of Alabama, picked Luther Strange. President Trump went down and campaigned for him, the, you know, the weekend before the primary. Hmm. So in, in, in most respects, this looks a lot like a regular, um, you know, uh, uh, Process. Procedure. Yeah. So he, he he supported he supported the quote incumbent. He's not you know not elected incumbent, but a person put there by the political process of the state of Alabama. And I'm not, but I'm not sure. Any in any case, uh, you had lots of reasons to be against a Roy Moore. A lot of people did. I mean, uh, he is uh, an, an odd person. You know he. He he was disciplined twice as a Supreme Court justice for refusing to abide the law. Now, even if a lot of people agreed with his position on the merits of it, then the answer is to resign if you can't enforce the law, not just break the law. Right. So there there are a lot of complications around this, but I'm not sure. But but those are all kind of, kind of I put it in the normal political range. Hmm. The this the harassment allegations didn't even come out till later. Yeah. So I'm not sure what process could have fixed that. I mean, virtually every state has the same law as, as Alabama. Once you're locked in and you're within a certain time of uh, when it's a certain time of the election, you can't change the ballot. Oh, boy. It's, it's, it's yeah, not a, it's, it's, not it's a, locked. That's just, a, that's just a matter of statute in, in most states. Uh, you know, they, and the states all vary. They have variations. But they're all essentially you, you got to protect the 
the election process. And you can't just be fiddling around letting candidates willy-nilly get off or the party decided. And there are many, many, many examples of where this has happened. I mean, in Utah, there was a situation where there's an incumbent Democrat congressman uh, right near the election. He was picked up for uh, engaging a prostitute, and the Republican won. Hmm. There was not, nothing the, the Democratic Party, Democrat Party could have done about it because the, the ballots were locked in. Done. So I'm not sure, not sure what what you could Any do. That could have done in this situation, yeah. And then um, I guess on top of it would be, uh, you know, now there's this is just highlighted the fact that there there are a lot of other sexual harassment claims. We we've heard on the news last week that about seventeen million dollars or more has been paid over the last I think thirty years or so in Congress to take care of sexual harassment claims to sitting, I guess, Congress people or senators. I can't remember who they were because they're not naming them. Two people currently in Congress um, have uh, had claims against them that were that were paid for out of this fund. Uh, and now we then heard of Al Franken. Um, he's been apologizing and agrees to go through an ethics investigation. What? But but Trump jumps in on that. Trump doesn't really want to touch the 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 more thing. Um, but he will jump in on the Al Franken thing. What do you think about all of these sexual harassment claims, and and what is the real standard? I mean, Fox News had a big thing. You know, now we're even going back and talking with Gillibrand, going back and talking about what President Clinton has done or did. Um, wh- what is the standard of, uh, you know, if you're charged with this, if there's a claim of this, at what point do people need to step down? Well, boy, there are a whole bunch of questions wrapped up in that. Uh, uh, first of all, just put it in the overall context. This isn't just a political issue. No. You know, you've had these huge uh, uh, Hollywood-connected uh, uh, sexual predation reports. And um, so, I mean, what, what you have is this whole dark underworld of, uh, of sexual immorality in general, and then sexual predation, harassment, uh, in in particular, it's it's a very dark, dark blemish on uh, in on the in the world in general. I mean, it's just a, it's a horrible nightmare for many, many, many women out there who are subject to powerful men in virtually any context, right. business, uh, uh, entertainment, and politics. Uh, it's been rampant. Uh, I mean, the stories of, of sexual immorality in general are just rampant in Congress. So let's just focus on Congress for a second. Uh, there, just it's just common knowledge of of, uh, of immorality among politicians and others in Washington. I mean, going way back. I mean, this goes back into the 1800s. Uh, there, there have been all kinds of allegations. But I mean, in, in Robert Kara, who is uh, the great biographer of Lyndon Johnson, among others, and we talked about um, Lyndon Johnson openly when he was a congressman, openly walking onto the House floor, holding hands with another congresswoman, Helen Gahagan Douglas. You know, it was just mm. it was uh, it was blatant. Now that's not harassment, necessarily, yeah. well, necessarily, but but you know, whenever you have men in power. Uh, they will exercise that dominion in a really often in a really bad way, and it's just coming to light. And I think 
you know, the $17 million, the 264 cases that have been reported, mm. think about How all many? of yeah. the women who who made a decision that, you know, I'm just going to have to put up with this for the sake of my career. Right. Not with, not with that person, but if I become, you know, a truth teller, if I, if I, if I come out, it's going to be bad for me. So I think a, a virtuous aspect of this whole thing is that's changing. Yeah. And more and more women are, are, are coming forward and saying, this is a problem. And I think you're going to find it's a very big problem. I think Al Franken is the tip of the iceberg. I mean, he's not he's not willing to resign over this, but I'm telling you, anybody who well, okay. well, that was a big I mean, discussion. It's highly, highly, un, yeah, well, highly unlikely that a person who engaged in that activity once only did it once. Right. Okay. That's just highly unlikely in the case of Al Franken, and I think you're going to find the case of uh, I, I bet you there of the 535 representatives. Uh, and senators up on the Hill, a whole bunch of them are shaking this weekend. Oh, well, and two, I mean, and in a way, like you said, thank heavens, right? I mean, how many women have been shaking and men even have been shaking because of these abuses over the, you know, over the many years? Is there a I mean, do you think it, do you think you could get to a point? Some, in fact, I think it was even Representative uh, Chaffetz, who's no longer um, in Congress, he was saying, almost alluding to the fact that maybe there needs to be a zero sum. He called it maybe you need the death penalty on this, the political death penalty, where if if there's a case against you that's proven, you're done. You're just done. Well, we'll see what the ethics investigation does. Generally, ethics investigations are where problems go to die. Yeah, it could be that this is the case where. All of a sudden, the Ethics Committee does establish a bright line and says, no, you know, in this case, no. And they and they do go uh, the, the route Chavis is suggesting. Like I say, everyone is all relieved. OK, let's let the Ethics Investigation, the Ethics Committee look at it. They'll look at it. They'll come out and say, shame on you. Bad thing. Don't do it again or something. Right. And and then then you're clear this because of the whole uh, concern and the light that's being shined upon this very dark place in our lives, uh, um, maybe the ethics committee will stand up and, uh, and do something. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, wouldn't it be – how powerful would it be if Congress were the ones to, like, draw the line and stand up and – but, you know, then again, it's so like – So you have a yeah. lot of unclean hands. No, Totally. Among those 535 people, you're going to have a lot of, uh, uh, you know, they say there's many, many, many instances of marital infidelity. And yeah. that just is a, is a shades into worse practices. In fact, there really is something, though, very powerful, it seems like, with like Gillibrand. Uh, bringing up, and again, I'm, some are crying politics, but Gillibrand bringing up uh, Bill Clinton when she's the one that took Hillary Clinton's seat, and um, in New York, and so it's. I mean, there, this is something that really is a bipartisan problem. It's it's a it's a Congress problem, and um, anyway, it'd be interesting to see. What do you think too about how all of this is going to impact the tax reform bill? Uh, there are still some senators out there leery of it. Susan Collins, I think, came out saying she's not really bought into it yet. Um, is this tax bill really going to happen like like they keep claiming it has to? 
Yeah. Boy, well, you, you don't know. I mean, the, uh, you've got two senators, two Republican senators who've said uh, we have problems. I, it's hard for me to see how Susan Collins at the end of the day votes for this, but I, but I don't know. Hmm. At the end of the day, I mean, her, her objections are about the, uh, the, the so-called salt state and local tax uh, deduction. But that's, with a small exception, common to both the Senate and the House bills. So I, I don't see that going away in any material way to satisfy her. Maybe she just gets comfortable with it. I, I don't know, but she also has health care concerns. Yeah. Ron Johnson, on the other hand, who came out and said, I'm, you know, first he said, I'm, a, I'm not going to vote for the bill. Then he said, well, maybe there are some things that can be adjusted to it. Uh, I think his problems are more able to be dealt with. He, he feels that small corporations, family-held corporations aren't getting the same kind of a tax break that the big corporations are. I think he's partly wrong on the merits of that because corporations have double taxation and S-corporations don't. I mean, we're getting too much in the weeds. Yeah. I, I think there, there's a deal. There's a deal with Johnson. But kind of the more interesting thing is is the where really is like a Heidi Heitkamp or a uh, – uh, Joe Manchin or Joe, the guy from Indiana, I forget, or maybe it's long, from Indiana, where do they come out? Deep red states. Uh, oh, yeah. Manchin, there, there's been a rumor that there's a deal that Trump will endorse Manchin if he votes for the for the bill. I don't know. Hmm. He, he, he's vulnerable. He's very vulnerable. He's very popular. But on this particular issue, He's very vulnerable in the state. There, there have been some state surveys that show big shifts in movement among independents toward any Republican if Manchin doesn't do the right thing on uh, on the tax bill. So, you know, there could be two or three votes on the Democrat side that no matter what they're saying publicly right now, at the end, they may end up voting for it because they, they could be very vulnerable. Bottom line is I think that there's a pretty good chance that there's going to be a bill. Uh, out of the Senate. I think they'll vote on a bill pretty much like the one that just came out of committee last week, and then that'll go to conference. And when you lay lay those bills together, the differences are not as huge as people are making them out to be. Hmm. Uh, and so I think I think you'll get a bill and, and, and an act. That's exciting. But it's hard to. Hey, something. So, something's happening. I mean, yeah. this will be one of the first bills out, right? Well, big ones. Yeah, yeah big ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's been some other ones. Hey, I mean, that would be good to go into a year with some legislation passed. What else, Joe, should we be focusing on? we got about another minute or two. What What else should be on the radar that we're not paying attention to maybe? Well, one interesting development, I mean, we don't have time to talk about it here, but, you know, Angela Merkel is having a tough time forming a government in Germany. Yeah. Just, uh, the, she just can't get all the coalitions to come together, even though there's general agreement on some of the big issues. Uh, there's just so, so many uh, issues uh, that they can't, they can't get agreement on. That, that'd be kind of interesting. The other thing is there's, there's this whole issue of closing the PLO office in uh in Washington, uh, you know, you've, you've heard about that, but yeah. uh, I think that I think that's a negotiating ploy, maybe on both sides. Who knows? So, uh, there's a threat to shut the office down because they have technically violated a provision in some State Department statute that says they can't go to the UN uh, to to have the International Criminal Court investigate 
uh, uh, Israel really? for violating laws. Yeah. So closing down the office for the Palestine Liberation Organization. Right, yeah. Wow. And As I said, that, that's kind of a... I think that's a threat in negotiating to us to get everybody to come to the table. Yeah, you yeah you need to get in here and talk to us. Wow, Joe, always on top of it. Uh, we appreciate you. This is uh, this is great stuff, and we couldn't get through it without you. Hope you have a happy holiday, a happy Turkey Day. Because you too, talk it, to you, next week. you too. Be safe and uh, make sure you take a nap. We we're, we're pushing big time on the uh, Thanksgiving nap. Uh, Joe Cannon is his name. He's our Washington insider, Joe in the know, and a, a great uh, way to get a hold of him or to find out more about what he's doing. You can go to his website, fuelfreedom.org. It's an organization he's put together to uh, lower your fuel costs here in the United States. We will continue the journey straight ahead. More on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends. Have you ever needed to say you're sorry, but you thought, hey, ah, it's just so hard. There's got to be an easier way to do this. Right. So uh, this may be the wrong direction, though. Oh, OK. So um, what's the best kind of way to say sorry? I would I, I you probably need to if you could face to face, a little eye to eye. OK. Hey, what about sorry? Using an app and you just kind of send a message. Well, yeah, it's probably, I mean, it's, it beats no sorry. Right. But instead of maybe the face-to-face. Well, maybe less personal. Maybe that's not as effective. So former cable news anchor Greta Van Susteren yeah. is ready to jump into the app market with an apology app, according to a Facebook post she put up a couple weeks ago. Really? Uh, Van Susteren says that the post she'll be releasing in her first app called Sorry. Oh, Okay. Which may be confused with the game. Sorry. Oh yeah. Uh, when she spent, she says she spent more than a year on this project already to let people send apologies to one another. Well, her okay. Po- her post said Snapchat and Instagram were about to get some competition. Uh-huh. You'll get to accept or reject apologies from a friend kept private between you and your friend, or accept or reject apologies of public figures, which we all get to see and vote to accept or reject. Well, but okay. But now that means you're going to get a notice that says, Jimmy would like to apologize to you. Please download the app, sorry, so he can do so. And you can decide if you want to accept it or not. So now do I have to be on the app? Yes, or else you're out of the conversation, Matt. So by the way, what does it say about you if you have on your phone the app, sorry? Well, maybe a lot of people apologize to you. What if you're a super user of sorry? Maybe you like to publicly judge other people's apologies. Yeah, you're pathetic. Which, whenever someone makes an apology, it turns into a game to see who can judge it the best. What if I... Like Al Franken, he had two apologies the same day. I know, and... and both of them weren't enough, and But one to was some. more accepted than the other. That's right. The first one was bad. See, this is, this is the making. A, a news media person yeah. sees the use of this. But does the average person – because if I send I a sorry know. to one person, then I just get one memo back saying, yeah, they rejected it. Wow. So what do you do at that point? Then do you, you send them like a frowny face emoji? No. Then you send them a fruit – like a fruit basket. Hmm. 
something really serious. Take another run at the apology? Uh-huh. Yeah, try it one more time. Hmm. Interesting. So what, I, I don't know if this is needed. I don't think it's needed. I think this is maybe a step too far in the wrong direction. I mean, I think it would be great right now. Franken needs it. Uh, Roy Moore needs it. These people need it. Hmm. But all they would do is see if people overall accept the apology or not. But isn't an apology really one-on-one? It should be. I mean, even Al Franken's apology is to the one person. Right. I mean, he could also, I guess, apologize to his people that I guess he the, let down. The other side of it is we don't know if it's actually his apology. Did his staff write it? Did they cons- yeah. did they write it, then consult him? And so yeah. th- uh, is yeah. it his? I don't know if we need this app. Yeah, okay. Maybe it's too far. I just right. want to check to see if there's something you're interested in. Well, and by the way, you heard about the other app coming out called, um, pardon me. Pardon me when you bump yeah. into people? Yeah, it's when you, yeah. Well. If you hiccup or a little burp, mm-hmm. you just send them an app saying, pardon me. You just text them. Yeah, text them, and then they, they accept the pardon But they not. have to be on the app. Mm-hmm. So what about the people not on the app around you? Yeah, then you can't, you can't ask them to pardon you. Oh, wow. It's complicated. Okay, well. I'm just still, I'm still working on it. It's multiple audiences, it sounds like. There's on-app audience, off-app audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Ah, it's tough stuff. It's really <laughs> tough stuff. Hey, up next, we're going to be talking about uh, innovations for Santa. How, how you get your kid to meet Santa. There's so many ways today. It used to be you had to take him to the mall, right? Not anymore. Not anymore. We'll be talking about it up next. Welcome back, friends. Hey, uh, there's so many ways to meet Santa, by the way. You know, back in my day, not to brag. We used to so have... something more akin to say the Christmas story. You watched that movie no, no, way no, no, back. No, 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 no. Oh, no. I, I would That's go. That's pretty old. I would go to a breakfast with Santa. Oh wow! My yeah. my nana would take me to breakfast with Santa, and it was a it was at a big mall, and hmm. we would have a great breakfast, and then Santa would come. Nice. And then we'd get to go up and meet him. It was like the Pope. <laughs> the Pope arrived. Really, like he arrived and we all got to have the a meeting with the Pope. So that's how I learned to do it. But now there's other ways that you can get your kids to meet Santa. The Macy's flagship store on 35th Street in New York. Yeah. According to the Associated Press, they are setting up an online sign-up system to so you have a set appointment to meet Santa. Oh, wow. Where At their store? Yes. How nice. So you got time slots from 30 minutes to five days in advance. So you can do no walk-ins are allowed. No, no, no. You just can't walk Santa's in the door busy. and meet Santa. He's busy. Yeah, right. Macy says the new arrangement is intended to cut down on wait time. Admission is free and it runs, you know, all the way till Christmas Eve. They have a 13,000 square foot North Pole village where Santa hangs out. That's <gasps> How incredible. Massive. Uh, you got elves, train displays, the world-famous Santa, the one you saw in the Miracle I wonder if there are any Street. toys being sold around him. Possibly, because as we learned on the Miracle on 34th Street, yeah. this is all a marketing thing. It's all about but marketing. If you don't, if you miss your time, if you're, don't be early or yeah. too late for your time slot, and be sure to check in with an elf when you arrive. That's how this whole thing works. So what do you think about scheduling time with Santa instead of the well, long line? No, I, and, I, I like that idea. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure on those kids waiting in line. First of all, they're nervous. Right. Their little legs get tired. 
Then they're grumpy. Then they're on the naughty list, right? Then they're bored, yeah. Yeah, next thing you know, you're in North Korea. Halfway through, Christmas ruined because Santa's over there like, that kid's acting up. I'll that put him on the list. don't make me. Yeah, no, there's too much pressure. So if I could just walk my kid right in. Like, it's like when your kid needs a shot. Yeah. You just, you just want to be able to walk him right in and then get him stuck. See, my kid's great. He likes to stand off in the distance and see Santa. He doesn't want to talk to him. Really? Yeah, he's kind of scared. Yeah, he's a high sensitive. He's yeah. he's he's a smart kid gathering all the data. Yeah, that's how I was. I he, thought Santa was kind of a dirty Santa. He stands like way back, and I'll just like hold him up, and he goes, "Oh, I see him. Okay, good. Let's go, Dad. That's all we got. That's awesome. all we got." Yeah, I didn't like no the fact that Santa's wait- face, his hair didn't stick to his face. Yeah. Well, that was one of his helpers. Yeah, well, Santa it, can't be everywhere. I think he was trying way too hard. Wow, because he was—I think he was trying to impersonate the big guy. Wow, mm-hmm. there's got to be a line. I like it. I like the idea. Okay. By the way, it's good for parents too. Yeah. In and out. Boom, so boom, boom. Uh, if they do it, Macy's at the flagship Everyone store should do it. It'll just you know spread across the U.S. as we all schedule Santa. That's exactly how it works. Hey, straight ahead, continue the joy. We'll give you more tips on how to get a hold of Santa. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on BYU Radio. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side, along with Cole and Terry. Uh, Jeff's out of the building Jeff's on the road, so Cole is filling in for him. Thanks, Cole. For Nothing being with is us. more relaxing than driving to California with your two beautiful daughters. For the in holidays, the faster, Daddy, fast. Are we there yet? But they're going to be excited because they'll just watch movies. Jeff won't. Jeff will drive. Hopefully. Well, he does like movies. Yeah, but then the kids will just—he'll just keep engaging the children. By the way, his wife and and their son are flying, loving it. That's so cool. What a guy. Like gets the gets the wife on an airplane, and then he drives his kids. It's considerate. What a wonderful man! Uh, we got a great show for you. We got a lot to cover today. We're going to be talking a lot about, um, uh, of course, the headlines. And Terry will get into the headlines. But uh, weird stories going on. Uh, Charles Manson dead. Uh, by the way, of natural causes, eighty-three uh, years of age, um, and uh, you know. You, you you all remember the story, Helter Skelter, all the craziness that surrounded him and his life. It also just still amazes me to this day how many people get married in prison. A lot of the, a lot of these murderers that are in for life, they still have a great dating world. Apparently. People are like, they just, they really want to be a part of his life still. I don't understand it. Yeah. What I... It's a little odd. I work with a lot of people that would love to get married. They're wonderful people, no, and not mass murderers, oh. and they can't find a date. Wow. Maybe you should uh, start a service. Well, but the problem is I think people are attracted to mass murderers. Oh. I think it might be the enclosed-in area. It's like high school. You just yeah. stick a bunch of people in an yeah. area they can't get out of, and they just pair off. It's what happens. <laughs> Jill's the same yeah. way. And everything seems like better than it is, I guess. I mean, it's always there's always that yeah, I call it the yearning stage of love where you have really high chemistry and really low clarity. But if you're dating a mass murderer, that's the same thing. If you're dating a serial killer, I mean, cuz it seems like the serial killers, the ones that are in a long time are the ones that find these 
women that want to marry him. They're in it for the long haul. Women are about commitment. They know he's going to be there tomorrow. (laughs) Well, that's the thing, though, is that they actually don't get access to him. Oh. Too much access. But they get enough. Yeah. They can correspond through letter. It's a safe kind of date. Yeah. Can you imagine, like, breaking that news to your mom? Okay, mom, you're going to die. Well, I shouldn't use those words. But mom, there's this guy I've been dating. And it looks like we're getting married. Oh, honey, I'm so happy. Are we going to meet him? Mm, Probably not. But you know all about him. Yeah, you've heard about him. (laughs) Unbelievable. Well, um, what do you do? What do you do? So we'll be talking about uh, that. Of course, also um, coming up, we're going to be getting into the fact that maybe the English language, if 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 it didn't have so many rules that you had to follow, it might be an easier language to learn. But it's a very hard language. And, you know, how we spell things matters. Maybe, by the way, not, I mean, I was, I won the spelling bee. Well, yeah. I got to the finals in the spelling bee. Sure. And then I spelled a word wrong. I spelled loin. Oops. Instead of lion. Oh. And I was like the it's, oldest kid in the room. It's a common mistake. Not really. I know. I'm trying to help out. Yeah. And it was a Christian school. Ooh. So every first grader in the room knew what your loins are. They're like, oh, we know what loins are. Right. That's, what, that's the word he went out on? That's like first grade material. In yeah. The, in the, totally <laughs> embarrassing. Totally embarrassing. Um, uh, anyway, we'll get to all that fun. But first to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what else should we be paying attention to? Nearly a year into the Trump presidency, countries around the world are scrambling to adapt as the White House is struggling to fill key government positions, scaled back the State Department, and upended old alliances. Now some nations are finding that even if they are frustrated by President Trump's Washington, they can still prosper from robust relations with, say, the California Republic and a constellation of like-minded U.S. cities, some of which are bigger than European countries. So the Washington Post story here, they're talking about how different governments around the world are just going right to the states or right to the cities. Just go right to, yeah. To negotiate trade deals, to to have interaction and diplomatic relations that way, because these cities are bigger than some of their countries, so why not? That's so true. That's not a bad idea. And part of that is because the State Department is, well, understaffed. Because well, there's nobody to talk to at certain desks that used to be there oh. five, five, ten, fifteen years ago. But, so now you just go to California and talk to those. But guys. hold on, but doesn't the doesn't the federal government have to sign off on treaties of transport and Depends. economics in and out of the country? It says, uh, meanwhile, state and municipal governments are expanding or building new offices to help them manage the increased interest in Europe and Asia. This year, uh, Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti created the position of Deputy Mayor for International Affairs to better manage relations with foreign governments. Many world leaders say they have no illusions that they can avoid the White House on critical issues at the core of global uh, stability, especially those related to security. Hmm. But they have embraced efforts by Democratic governors and mayors to present a different face of U.S. power to the world, albeit a lower level than the White House or the State Department. Wow. That's, that's going around the big guy. The uh, losing go- power. Jerry Brown, governor of California. Yeah, there was a. Uh, it was. Su- su- it was supposed to. I believe um, the one or two year anniversary of the Paris Climate Paris Climate Agreement. They had a meeting, I believe, in Germany, and the United States sent a delegation. But they were talking about the benefits of like clean coal and stuff right, like that. Right. 
Governor of California went. He was treated like a state dignitary as he addressed uh, the European Union's uh, governing boards and stuff yeah. like that. So, wow, what happens when yeah. they don't even go through DC anymore? I don't know, but if they're, I mean, if you think about it, they want to do business. If they're yeah. not being able to get any help from the federal government of the United right. States. Why not talk to the states that want to do sure. have a relation and I mean, have that it, business relationship? Well, it used to be you. the relationship was we were like sister cities yes. with some city in Shanghai or near Shanghai or wherever, and um, you'd have a cultural yeah, exchange. Yeah, it'd business, just be cultural. Yeah, yeah. We, we we'd be in their parade, they'd be in our parade. Right. But now they could like, hey, we want to do it. We want to cut a deal with California. I mean, California is really what one of the top. It's bigger the GDP than GDP is yeah. like bigger than. 20 countries yeah. right so i mean it, it, it makes sense but it's some it's odd because of the current situation when it comes to yeah uh the way the government is functioning at the moment with less than a month to go before the special election to fill the senate va- seat vacated by attorney general jeff sessions alabamians apparently that's how you refer that how you to it i'm i've heard multiple people stumble alabamians they're like oh citizens of alabama are, are split over how to respond to the sexual misconduct allegations against senate candidate roy moore dozens of religious leaders gathered to register their dissent at a baptist church in, in uh, birmingham saturday saying moore is infected with a false religious virus Ooh. In addition to addressing the accusations against Moore from the growing list of women speakers at the gathering of pastors, critiqued the candidate's apparent verbal swipe of the 1965 Voting Rights Act on Tuesday. However, many prominent Alabama Republicans remain loyal partisans. I believe in the Republican Party, what we stand for, and most important, we need to have a Republican in the United States Senate to vote on things like Supreme Court justices, says the governor of Alabama, conceding she finds the alleg- uh, the accusations troubling, but she will still vote for the Republican running, which would be Roy Moore. Well, see, this this goes back to the bigger problem, maybe, that um, we, we no longer vote for, you know, principle. We kind of vote for party. Yeah. But the reality is, it sounds like he's going to lose either way. Right? So if they vote him in, it sounds like Congress or the senators here in town will kick him out. That's what they're so they're saying. There's several ideas, yeah. But um, so she says, "Well, I got to vote for the Republican." Except, two, your people. It's a it's a Republican state, mm-hmm. and if the Democrat actually wins, then that means Republicans did vote for the Democrat. That's right. So you're actually going against your own state. Your states will. I don't know. It's a weird yeah. problem. There is also you don't have to vote for any candidate. Yeah. You could write in somebody. I mean, some people didn't vote for Trump and they're Republicans and they didn't. But they're just like, I'm not I got to vote for, uh, you know, some people want to vote for principle, not just party. Could yeah. we just give him a booster shot for that false religious virus that he has? I don't know yeah. what that means. How does yeah. one get that? I tried to find more clarification on, you know, what they're overall because <laughs> sometimes they use metaphor and things. But yeah, yeah. Like, what does that mean? I didn't see a, an in-depth no, he's got, he's review. Got a virus. He's got FRV. A U.S. Customs and Border Protection agent died Sunday after he was injured while on duty in Texas. The agency said in a statement, uh, Rogelio Martinez, 36 years old from El Paso, and his partner responded to activity in the Big Bend area when they were injured. A Border Patrol spokesman said he could not disclose what happened to the agents. Martinez died at the hospital. His partner, whose name has not been released, remains in serious condition. Authorities are searching for suspects and witnesses to the incident with the FBI taking over the investigation. So absolutely no indication of what happened. There's no detail of where they... Senator Ted Cruz came out and said it's obvious they were attacked. 
Yeah. Well, no, they could have just crashed their car. I mean, yeah, we have no idea what happened, but people are jumping out there. President Trump's commented on it, and not in a way that's you know measured. Right, right. Everybody, everybody has an opinion. Jump to a conclusion that you have no evidence of. Uh, that's I mean, that's common now, right? It's just what you do. So that's going on. We'll see where that story goes. Okay. Uh, and finally, researchers at Oregon State, this may be good for your health, Matt. Oh, good, good, good. They have patented a new strain of seaweed Ew. that tastes just like bacon when it's cooked. Oh, wow. Think of that. The seaweed, a form of red marine algae, looks like translucent red lettuce. It also has twice the nutritional value of kale and grows very quickly. I'll take that. And then the article says, did we mention it tastes like bacon? That's... By the way, is it red naturally? I guess red algae, mm-hmm. because red and bacon, I mean, boy. So according to the Oregon State researcher Chris Langdon, his team started growing the new strain while trying to find a good food source for edible sea snails, yeah. which are very popular in many parts of Asia. So they sure. want to try to find a way to, to boost that, that uh, crop of sea snails. Um, the strain is a new type of red algae, normally grows along the Pacific and Atlantic coastlines, but Langdon realized he had his hands on something with a lot more potential when his colleague Chuck Toombs visited his office and caught a glimpse of the growing seaweed. Toombs said he thought uh, the bacon seaweed had potential for a new industry in the state of Oregon. So the Oregon's Uni- Oregon University's Food Innovation Center started creating a range of foods with the seaweed as its main ingredient. Langan said no U.S. companies grow red algae for people to eat, but the seaweed has been consumed by people in uh, Northwest Europe for centuries. Huh. They'll eat anything out oh. there, apparently. <laughs> this stuff is pretty amazing, he says. When you fry it, which I have done, it tastes like bacon, not seaweed. And it's pretty strong bacon flavor. It's not just like a, a hint That's of bacon. Great. It's like, you know, yeah. robust. Though no analyst has, uh, analysis has been been done yet to find out whether commercializing the bacon seaweed would be practical. The team thinks the vegan and vegetarian markets may be interested. Now you could get a seaweed, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. There you go. And every pig in America just was like, huh? Whew. That's great news. <laughs> I think the sushi implications are clear here. Right. Ooh, mix adds, it in there. That's a whole kind of yeah. flavor to that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But when they say it tastes like bacon. That's my question. That's the thing. Does uh, it really taste like bacon? Yeah. Or, or does, does it, it taste, taste like, like seaweed? Yeah. Because you get that like lots that, of salt that on that it. That bacon stuff. Ooh. Right? It's like close. Yeah, not but, exactly. Yeah. Are you talking about bacon strips for your no, dog? No. There's like, there's bacon <laughs> you can buy. It look it's It's not bacon. Faux bacon. But they try to okay. tell you it's bacon, right? It doesn't it doesn't cook like bacon. A thick out of bacon. And you get it and it's just like this weird block of meat like product. Huh. And you're like, well, there's sort of a bacony sort of flavor, but it doesn't it's kind of off. Yeah. And I'm wondering if this sort of has an off sort of flavor of bacon to it. You know what? I'll try it. Sure. Because it could be awesome. It could taste just like bacon, even though it's seaweed. And then you can tell your wife, who probably is an advocate of kale. Yeah. That this would be a better option than kale. What about an entire salad of something that tastes like bacon? Boy, that's a lot of bacon, though. Without the cholesterol of bacon. But really, what is the taste of bacon? It's fat and salt, isn't it? Basically, yeah. Well, heaven. So seaweed would be salty, but what would give it the fatty taste? I'm not sure. And do you have to dab it with a paper towel before you eat it? Mm. These are important things to know. Just put that on your hamburger. And does it look like spinach once you cook it? And I'm sure it doesn't have the texture of bacon because there's something satisfying biting right. into a good, crispy, 
yeah. slice of bacon. But have you ever had that conversation? You probably haven't yet, Cole, um, with your kids where you're oh, where no. everyone's sitting around not. the table and you say, and they're all like, so where did this come from? Yeah. And you're yeah, like, yesterday. well, we slaughtered a pig to eat this, kids. <laughs> just keep shoveling it in your faces. But now it would be like we just we just scooped it up out of the ocean. My son had a class assignment. What are you thankful for? He goes, I'm thankful for turkey. Not Aww. the animal, the food. Oh. And I went, um, do you realize where we get the food, turkey? <laughs> and he's like, well, from the store. And I go, well, no, it comes from a turkey. Like an actual animal was once alive. And yeah. then we, my wife's like, you're going to ruin this kid yeah, for eating are. food. And I'm like, so I just go all in. I pull some beef out of the freezer. I go, beef, where does beef come from? He goes, the freezer. No, it's a cow. And he goes, what? And I pull oh, wow. ham no. out of the fridge and chicken out of the you're fridge. You're creating a vegan. No, it's no, like just... orange and orange. They just happen right. to have the same name, yeah. the color and the fruit. That's exactly Turkey right, and Cole. turkey, yeah. it, one's a food, one's an animal. In his mind, he goes, fine. it's the food, not the animal. Cole's going to be a great father. I call my kid a turkey. Do you? He says it's okay only at Thanksgiving. Um, you know what you got to do is show him that um, Fox News show clip hmm. where um, the governor of uh, Alaska, oh, Sarah Palin, the former governor, is yeah. is standing in front of a turkey harvester. Talk, she's talking about pardoning turkeys as the guy behind her is continuing his job of <laughs> harvesting turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, show him that one. Oh. It's amazing. It's hard to raise kids. I like this idea. Uh, I don't like the idea because I just, I mean, I don't like part of the idea because I just read the fact that there's all of these al- algae blooms that are growing mm-hmm. in um, lakes and in tributaries. Lakes and, and, and they're yeah. poisonous and killing dogs if the dogs swim into it. And then the next thing you know, you bring up a red algae. Right. They're finding a way to repurpose the algae bloom, which isn't what this is. But yeah, I understand where you're going with this. Yeah. So I'm still trying to admit, I mean, I'm, and, I, and by the way, I've still got the false religion virus in my head. False religion virus. Yeah. A religious virus. Sir. What do you think that is? I don't know. Could it be FRV benefit or could it be helped by algae that tastes like bacon? No. Seaweed flavored. No. Bacon goodness. No. All right. Just a bit of city, seaweed bacon. Yum. Yum. Hey, uh, did you hear that? Okay, so if you if you're just walking down the street, let's say, okay, and you hear a woman screaming, yes, what would go through your mind? Um, I would possibly look and go, hmm, is there something would going you be on? Startled, here? like, hey, I better, yeah, I gotta save somebody. It here. would depend on the urgency of the scream, like urgent, help, yeah. help. Right. Okay, yeah, help. Uh, that's that's a cry for help. Yes, yeah. that would be someone needing maybe some help. Well, that happened to a delivery man in Oregon hmm. who heard a woman scream for help, and he had his wife call nine one one. But when a deputy showed up, it turned out that the screamer was a parrot, not the woman, not a woman. Interesting. By the way, probably a parrot that lives with a woman yeah. who's in trouble. Because where else would the parrot learn that? Uh, the Oregonian reported Tuesday that when the sheriff's deputy Hayden Sanders showed up, all he found was Diego the parrot. Diego. Mm-hmm. The green and yellow bird was in good health and no humans were involved. Help! Now, my question. Yeah. The delivery driver mm-hmm. said he called his wife Yeah. to have her call 911. Yeah. Why didn't he just call 911? Well, because his hands may have been full, like helping a, a female that was being attacked or whatever. He didn't know what he was in for, so he just probably texted his wife, call 911, send him this address. I'm going to go in and save a lady suit later to find mm-hmm. out it was just a parrot. My, <laughs> just seems like maybe you cut out the middleman and just make the phone call yourself. Yeah. But it'd be terrifying. You don't know what you're walking into. 
Correct. You could be. But it's okay. No, right. Because you're a delivery guy, and they yeah. train you for these things. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was delivering crackers, and it was all a ploy ah. by the parrot wow. to get him to come in. He had parrot food. So Polly can get the cracker. His name's Diego. Oh, Diego. Not Polly. My bad. It's Diego. <laughs> um, that ruins that theory. <laughs> totally does. Wow. Totally does. And by the way, a new uh, sports league is appearing, which we've talked about before on the show. We have. I think, but it's, I guess it's now being formalized. And this might be more in a, a different intensification yeah. of what we had previously covered. And of course, where else would they do this but in the Pacific Northwest? Right. Uh, to me, I don't, it just seems like so apropos. Uh, it's best described as full contact, mixed martial arts style combat. Hmm. So it's, it's MMA with swords and axes. Yeah. So no. you're dressed up like a medieval, you know, warrior, like a... You know, like one of the knights in shining armor. Now, but, we've covered it's a, a knight um, combat league, I think, yeah. medieval combat league, something like that. Where And, and we've had guys in like a uh, a boxing ring, yeah, wrestling ring type right. thing where they're just wailing on each other with hammers or swords or whatever their weapon is. And then we've also had where they have teams of like 20 guys oh, on each yeah. side and they run at each that other. That's our favorite. Everyone's falling down. They're taking uh, body blows and stuff. This being MMA... I think this takes it to a new level. Well, and, and be careful because they're not like Renaissance fair people. They're not reenacting the Renaissance. No, 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 no. They're here just to battle. Yeah. And, you know, under the theme, a night to remember. <laughs> Boy, that night. Yeah, it was great. Do you remember anything about that night? No, I just remember he hit me in the head with his. I got the scar his, on the side of my head now. What is but... it, a cudgel? <laughs> <laughs> and I woke up and the, my helmet was on backwards. Wow. Yeah. So it's uh, it's called the Armored Combat League. And in Sacramento, they've got one. Seattle, they've got a, 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 a chapter. Right now, there's only about five members, though. Well, yeah. But if you're into, if you're into MMA, but you don't want to just be standing around, running around in your boxers. Yeah. Then you you, you can put on the full armor and go out and, and, and really go to battle. Swing a battle axe if you want. Well, I don't know if she needs to come. but Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's probably the most violence the average person will probably experience up close. Oh, wow. Wow. Is that a good way to sell this? Yeah. It's an interesting marketing a, uh, approach there. I... The most violence you'll experience up close. Is really? that for the, the people watching or people participating? Apparently both. I think oh. they're selling to get some more participants than yeah. five. Yeah. Well, that's so what, up close. Is, well, they mean up close. <laughs> I think that's the problem is you can't sell it that way because nobody wants to do that. That's why there's only five people in the charter. Uh, there's do, probably a high rate of injury. Well, what, yeah, you probably shouldn't sell that. You just ought to say, hey, have you ever wanted to be a knight in shining, shining armor? Hmm. Sign up. And, and then we'll that, give you – you want to go to fight someone? We'll give you all this yeah. armor. You'll be fine. Oh, you'll be fine. You'll hmm. be fine. Did you bring a cudgel? Yes, it's, I did. It sounds um, problematic when it comes to, say, insurance claims. Well, what, yeah. What you ought to do, though, is if you just offered free insurance, you'd probably double your membership. That's crazy. I mean, I remember watching. I remember when I couldn't stomach mixed martial arts. Mm-hmm. And now boxing is, like, boring. Yeah, you're like, don't well, you like stand, well, why don't you kick him? What are you doing? You're what, standing right there. You could kick him right there. <laughs> Just get him in a whatever. Put him like, in a sleeper. You got him. Yeah. Little arm bar. Do it. Poke Nobody's even out. kicking at the kidney. Kick him in the kidney. Yeah. It's kidneys wide open. They don't even try. <laughs> Those were the days. Remember when it was just boxing? That was it. 
Even wrestling was too boring for people to watch. Yeah. I mean, like, that's why we didn't have... Like, like the Greco-Roman, the then, actual then they had wrestling. Then they turned into all-star wrestling. Yeah. You but now you got mixed martial tables. arts and everything else. But apparently, now there's a run for it. Uh, Armored Combat League. Uh, by the way... I don't... The ACL. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, not only is it the name of the league, it's also the first part of your body that will go. <laughs> the most common injury <laughs> in our ACL. league, the ACL. <laughs> oh, sad stuff. See, but this is the information you don't get on any other station. Because we care about you. We love you that much. Up next, we're going to be replaying an interview uh, talking about why English is so difficult to learn. It might be all about spelling. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Some of the most difficult languages to learn include Chinese, Finnish, and Arabic. Although English isn't on the list, it is still no cakewalk to learn. Languages can become difficult to learn for grammatical reasons because of colloquial terms and accents. The English Spelling Society, however, argues that it is in fact spelling that makes English a challenge to learn. A few months ago, I spoke with Stephen Lindstedt, chairman and honorary treasurer for the English Spelling Society. I began the interview asking about the unique view that the English language is tough to to learn because of all the rules around spelling. Yes, English is not a difficult language to learn in terms of its grammar and syntax or punctuation. It's a lot more regular than many other languages in the world. But English does have this particular uh, burden to bear, which is its very irregular spelling system. And it's probably the most irregular spelling system of all spelling systems based on the alphabetic principle. And the reason for that is uh, largely historical. But the reason why English stands out as being so irregular is that not merely can you not tell how to spell a word from hearing it pronounced, but you don't always know how to pronounce a a strange word from seeing it spelt out in writing. And that is a kind of double whammy, which uh, English... Uh, does not share with most other languages, even though some other languages are not all that regular, like French or Portuguese. But English really comes to the bottom of the list in terms of regularity. Is it, and you're saying it's, it's based on the history. Um, talk about the history of the English language. What, is that why there are so many different, um, different just sounds and, and ways to spell those sounds? Yes, I mean, it is a complex story, it's a complex history. And the, right at the base, you have um, Norman French um, dovetailed onto uh, Anglo-Saxon Old English, and two different spelling conventions uh, all mixed up with no real rules for telling which rule applies. Then you get to the 15th century, by which time English has uh, established itself as the official language again, Um, not written down with any degree of regularity by the clerks of the time. Then you get Caxton's printers, who are Dutch, who didn't understand English (laughs) very well. Then you add to that the great uh, vowel glide of the 16th century, where the sounds of a lot of vowels changed. Unfortunately, the spelling of them didn't. Oh, wow. And then finally you get the early lexicographers of the um, 17th and 18th centuries who were not really interested in the phonetic principle at all. Um, and Dr. Johnson uh, was very great in many other ways, almost delighted in creating different ways of spelling the same sound. Ugh. I don't like and him. it's not changed very much since the 18th century. Yeah. The English language has, but the spelling hasn't. 
Well, and so it really is, it sounds like with all of these differences, it, it really is just the memorization of rules. Or not even a rule, really. It's just the memorization of a, a certain use. Yes. I mean, with most languages, um, and you, you said earlier on before I joined you that um, Finnish was an easy language to spell, although it's a difficult language to learn. Yes, it, it is a difficult language to learn. It's not an Indo-European language, but it does have a very phonetic um, spelling system. So languages that are maybe quite difficult for an English-speaking person to learn uh, may be much easier to spell than English itself. Hmm. So really, the language, the ability to kind of access the language is, is very much rooted and based in the ease of the spelling. Well, spelling is a factor. Um, as I said before, English is regular, quite regular in terms of its grammar and its punctuation. If you learn the rules of English grammar and uh, punctuation, you ought to be able to apply them. But you, you, there, there are rules uh, underlying English spelling. Uh, one of them is the doubling rule, for example, on the magic E. But the trouble is that English doesn't obey its spelling rules with enormous frequency. So you have to learn when the rule applies and when the rule is not being applied. And so in addition to learning the kind of phonic rules representation, you have to learn a great number of irregular words, and you just have to memorize them. Oh, wow. Is um, When you think about it, I mean, I guess in European languages, uh, does English stand out? Is it different than Spanish? Like I'm fluent in Spanish, and I feel um, I feel like Spanish seemed to have fewer rules than the English language. Spanish, the um, Spanish is a fairly easy language to learn. I don't speak Spanish very well, but it's um, the, the rules of Spanish grammar are quite easy. And the thing about Spanish is a very uh, phonetic um, spelling. Uh, if you hear, if you see something written in Spanish, you almost automatically know how mm-hmm. to pronounce it. And quite often, if you hear the word pronounced, you've got a good idea how it's spelt. So Spanish um, is, um, has that advantage over English of its highly regular spelling. In fact, Spanish, along with languages like Italian and, and Finnish, come at the high end of um, what we would call phonemicity, hmm. relationship to the spoken word. One of the things that we found in um, this article, How Spelling Keeps Kids from Learning, it was in The Atlantic, and it referenced yeah. uh, a book by Masha Bell, who's the vice chair okay. there. And w- w- one of the keys, I guess, to this is that um, she, she quoted – or is uh, – I don't know um, if Masha is a male or a female, but they quoted um, that they had analyzed in a study in your organization 7,000 of the most common English words and found that 60 percent of them had one or more predictably – unpredictably used letters. So 60 percent of our most common words have some deviation from the norm. You can argue about this uh, till kingdom come. I mean, exactly what is an irregularity and how frequently it comes. I mean, the, the, the estimates range. My estimate, which is a conservative one, is about 30 to 40 percent hmm. of words in the English language have got some degree of irregularity or uh, unpredictability. Other, others would um, put it higher than that. The real question is, to what extent does this irregularity make it difficult for children and for students of English as a second language to, to learn the language? And how diffic- what difficulties does it cause uh, for adults in, a la- in an age where, we, um, where literacy is very important? Hmm. And, and so um, it, it is, you do see 
that it, it impacts maybe to some degree the child's ability to learn it. Plus, uh, age, uh, I'm, I'm reading in the article, age may also be impacting it where some of the skills to sort through these deviations and these these differences in the English spelling um, might not even be uh, available to the to the child until they're until they're older, until they're in middle school. Yeah, um, clearly. I mean, there are all kinds of factors in the level of literacy in, in a country. There is the amount spent on education, the um, the organisation of education, and the teaching methods. But I think one of the factors which has been rather poo pooed up to now is the um, influence of irregular spelling in a particular language. And there is now some concrete proof that English, the regularity of English spelling does have a, a quantifiable effect. There was a study done in 2001-2002 by Seymour um, in the United Kingdom, and that showed that English-speaking children, compared with those in 12 European countries, took up to two years longer to master basic spelling compared with, with the other kids. So um, that does represent an awful lot of teaching time and um, an awful lot of extra effort for kids. In fact, uh, a member of my society in the States who joined recently said that what he found so frustrating about English spelling was it sucked the joy out of early education for children. <laughs> it's so true. That's true, though. I, I, totally, I totally feel that. And... Um, but it's cause, yeah, because it's so it's so much to learn. I know that you have some profound insight into how we should be teaching spelling, and and how we might even reform some of our spelling um, issues. And again, too, technology seems to be changing it. I have a son that writes us letters. He lives away, and uh, man, thank heavens for spell check because it's correcting <laughs> everything he does. Talk to us about. Um, we know it's difficult, and the history is interesting, too, uh, from the Norman, French, and Old English to the Dutch printers that maybe didn't even understand what they were changing to the vowel glide changes. The English language has been uh, – it's kind of gone through the ringer. And um, talk about what you see maybe we could do to teach it more effectively or and uh, any ref- reformation or what, what we would do to make it easier to learn. I, as I said uh, before the break, um, I'm not pretending that changing English spelling would be a magic bullet that uh, led us to instant literacy. I mean, we agonize about uh, adult illiteracy in the United States and in the United Kingdom, and it is really a serious problem because we know how much the lack of functional literacy uh, is associated with social deprivation and crime. So illiteracy really is, is a, a major problem. The amount spent on education, educational methods, uh, obviously are important. I would say that you know, if you're a parent with a kid who is um, having problems with spelling, um, don't assume he's thick, he or she mm. is thick. Um, there is a genuine problem there. Um, the, certainly in Britain, and I think in the United States, synthetic phonics is regarded as the latest and most effective way of coping with teaching kids spelling. Um, I wouldn't wish to denigrate it in any way, but there have been a number of sources, including our Ofsted um, inspectorate in in the United Kingdom, which don't rely on uh, synthetic phonics alone. It's not necessarily a panacea for everything. Different kids um, learn to spell in different ways. So I think um, all children, you know, need parental encouragement, but they need to uh, learn 
to spell in the way that's best for them, and it may not always be the method that they're being taught at school. Mm. Um, spelling, changing the spelling, well, that's been our long-term objective um, in the Spelling Society. We were, we were founded in 1908, and to be quite honest, we haven't got very far with it since then. Um, changing spelling is always problematical in any language. Uh, it is always resisted. And with English, we don't have the equivalent of the Académie Française or the Real Academia to lay down rules and changes and things like that. Um, my society is, has a plan, a project for trying to go about it in a slightly different manner. And we're hoping to try and raise funds for an International English Spelling Congress, uh, which would uh, take in delegates basically from all over the English-speaking world uh, there would be a great deal of market research as to what was or was not acceptable. And the, they would appoint a commission which drew up a short list of alternative spelling systems. And the reconvened Congress would then choose between them. Uh, we're not suggesting any kind of top-down uh, imposition from governments. Governments aren't interested. There are no votes in spelling change. Right. But hopefully if one had an alternative system which was widely acceptable upon those who are at least benevolently neutral on, on spelling reform, then the hope is that gradually this would run alongside traditional spelling and might eventually take over from it. That's the kind of vision thing mm. that we have at the moment. Well, and, and um, I guess kind of while you're working on that side of it and you know pushing, I guess, even from the more educational side and the governmental side, um, mm. it, parents, like you were saying, we can go – we can be a bigger part of – helping our children figure out how they learn, what's the best way that they like to learn. I love on your website at spellingsociety.org, you have an area for the kids called the Kids' Corner and a guide to English speaking. There's so many different tools and rules that are available and people can just come and and learn. Yeah. Well, that's what we we try to do. Every child is different, and um, it it isn't uh, true that um, all one size fits all. I think all, unless your child is absolutely brilliant at memorizing irregular words, they're going to have some difficulty with, with spelling. And what the, the parent needs to do is to try and find what helps most. Yeah. But I would say to all parents, do open your mind just a little bit uh, and just think whether it may not be the case that our irregular spelling is having some effect mm-hmm. on the problems your, your kid has. No, I, and I, it's interesting. I didn't. My mind wasn't open to that, and it is now. When I just look at your research on your site, it's unbelievable. And like you said, don't think your child is thick. Don't think they're they're stupid that they can't get this. Absolutely it's they're not. just different. They 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 yeah. access it differently. Yeah, the one story about the the the, um, the perils of try- governments trying to impose spelling change, of course, is dear old Teddy Roosevelt who tried to change uh, American spellings at the beginning of the 20th century and was brought up to a very abrupt halt by the House of Representatives. I think that's a, a lesson in how not to go about uh, yeah. spelling reform. Yeah, that's why it's probably, like you're saying, better not to make it political, huh? Just just make it uh, show the success of it. That's how I think yep. this would fly, if I could just see how I could help my children. <laughs> well, we appreciate well, we'll you. We got our Congress off the ground. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've seen what's going on in our election here. Can you imagine if we got into a spelling debate in the middle of it? Well, I try to keep politicians out of spelling reform because they either don't, are not interested or they take delight in saying how uh, appalling any prospect of spelling <sighs> reform is. Sure, yeah. And that, uh, that doesn't... Uh, 
I'm not not aimed at any candidate or any party. Right, right. Or averse to spelling reform. But if it could help one or two children, you know, or one or two percent to learn better, and and if we just looked at it more um, directly, I think I think we will see that there's a lot of benefit by by understanding it. Uh, Steve, open-mindedness is what I'm asking. Yeah, Stephen Lindstedt's his name. Go check out the website spellingsociety.org. Wonderful uh, site for parents. Go, you can go under uh, the section under spelling or for kids. There's a kids corner, and you could learn the guide to English spelling. Lots of wonderful rules and tools for you there. Lots of fun. Still ahead, folks. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you uh, live longer, love stronger, and lead a healthier life. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, there are uh, there's many things we need, right? You, you need to get through uh, your English lessons so you can speak the language uh, of life, but you also um, need to, to have friends. And so Terry's found a really interesting article um, about the, the types of friends that you need if you want to be happy in life. A few months back, we had a man by the name of Eric Barker on the show. He runs a, a website called Barking Up the Wrong Tree. Yeah. And the idea is that you're barking up the wrong tree with the wrong advice. Here's some some advice. And he goes out and finds research and advice, writes about it, and gives you, gives you kind of his spin on it. And it's interesting. This one's from the people that do the Gallup polling. They, they uh, went around and asked a bunch of people. Yeah. What are the qualifications? What kind of friends do you have? What kind of uh, characteristics in your friends do you like? What in a, they, they, they took all that information and found that there are eight types of friends okay. that you need to support your life. Oh, excellent. So the first one is the builder. Right? Okay. It says, so what do they do? The builders are great motivators, always pushing you towards the finish line. Mm. That kind of person. Kind Always of pushing you to do more, be more. Encouraging you. Build more, okay. He goes, the second one is the champion. Champions stand up for you and what you believe in. They're the friends who sing your praises every day. This makes a difference in your life. So they're kind of the cheerleader, yeah. right? everybody needs a cheerleader. The third one is collaborator. So they're the friend with similar interests, the basis for many great friendships. You might share a passion for sports, hobbies, religion, work, politics, food, music, movies, or books. In many cases, you belong to the same groups. Or share the same affiliations, mm. right? So they're the ones like, hey, let's go do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same kind of idea. It gets you doing stuff, active. The fourth is the companion. They're uh, always there for you, whatever the circumstances. You share a bond that's virtually unbreakable. When something big happens in your life, good or bad, this is one of the first people you call. Ah, there you go. That type of friend. The fifth is the connector. A connector is a bridge builder who helps you get what you need. They connect. They connectors get to know you and then introduce you to others. So it's interesting. You may have three or four of these, but not have a connector. No. So you don't know how to meet new people, or you don't. Then you meet that one connector, and all you seem to do is have all these new friends. Or one friend could be multiple of these. Yeah, that's cool. At the same time, six is the energizer. They are your uh, your fun friends who always give you a boost. You have more positive moments when you're with these friends. Energizers are quick to pick you up when you're down and can make a good day great. But they're the ones, too, that you sometimes you just need to drop off early. Personally, I think this person would annoy me. Yeah, they're the first ones. It's too much. <laughs> After dinner, they're the first one you want to get home. 
Seven is the mind opener. Mind openers are the friend who expand your horizons and encourage you to embrace new ideas, opportunities, cultures, and people. Mm. Probably the one that will like share a link with you and go, this was so interesting. I needed to Have share you this thought with of you. This? Yeah. And uh, eight is the navigator. Navigators are the friends who give you advice and keep you headed in the right direction. You go to them when you need guidance. They talk you through pros and cons with you until you find an answer. Well, see, this is really interesting, Terry, because uh, you're, you seem like the kind of guy that would really rather not have a friend. Yeah, that was my thought when I saw this. I'm like, ah, this sounds like a lot of work. Or, or let's say hypothetically, <laughs> I only have two friends. Yeah, hypothetically. Right. Because that's Hypothetically. Not true. Yeah. Could each take like four of those roles and I'd be right. fine? It says, uh, it goes on in here and talks about how uh, these are, what they're there, but one person could have multiple roles. Okay, good. Right, so I look at this like... A champion, mind-opening connector. Right. Like, I have people I'm acquainted with. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'd call them friends. Like, people you'd call up and say, like, you... A friend to me is someone you have good news, you call them and share the good news. Mm -hmm. Hey, guess what just happened? I have a very small number of those people. One of them being my wife. Right. Right? Yeah. We were so much... And even that's questionable. And then it's questionable if I want to share that. Yeah. Uh, So you got the builder... He goes, they're, they're, if you're on a sports team, they'd be the coach. Yeah. Right? You have the champion, pom-poms, not yeah, included. The uh, collaborator, the uh, the unintended co-conspirator, as it says. Yeah. Uh, the companion, they'd be at the police station at 3 a.m. with bail money. Oh, that's nice. Again. Yeah, that's right? nice. That kind of person. Yeah, those are good people. Uh, again, all those, my wife. I'm like my wife, the connector, not really a connector, yeah. which I appreciate because, you know, we're going to end up in all these parties for no reason. Just yeah. To, yeah, whatever. The energizer. I appreciate she's kind of lower energy. She's not just bouncing off the ceiling yeah, all yeah. the time. I like yeah. that. Mind opener. She shares stuff with me that I go, sure. wow, look at that. We Never talk about that. Things. And a navigator, like a high school guidance counselor, except useful. Oh, yeah. And plus, you get to take her home. Again, my wife fills out almost probably, what, six of the eight here. So yeah. I need to find one person to fill two slots, and I'm set. Apparently, I'm happy for no, life. I, okay, that's good for you, but yeah. I, it's it's your wife I worry about. She's going to be overly she's, burdened well, with and She's uh, maybe me. been shortchanged. I don't know. I'm kind of needy, apparently, in this situation. Because <laughs> you, you do bring energy, and you are kind of a navigator. Sort of. And then it's over, other than yeah, that. Yeah, it's it. It's kind of like, I'm kind of I'm, I don't bring so much to the table. But you show. do the trees. Yeah, I'll, yeah. You're in the yard a lot. I'll go out and fix the yard and mow the lawn. And I, I, on the after Thanksgiving, I drag the Christmas tree upstairs from the basement. Oh, see? You're the muscle. Now, she could do it. Yeah, no. She's plenty yeah. strong enough. Oh, but for sure. I help out because she'd like me to do my part. And then I go down and watch TV while they decorate yeah. and do Christmas. Well, they didn't have the one that you, you're like the Netflixer. The Netflixer? That's mm-hmm. a good friend. Yeah. I'm the guy that's like, did you watch that yesterday? You've got to see this one. Yeah. It's a good one. Well, that's great. Uh, the article is in uh, Becca. Look up. Baca Desuyo. That's short for barking up the wrong tree. So okay. look up barking up the wrong tree. Eric Barker, it was his uh, email this week. It's a great article. Eight, uh, what's it titled? It says, uh, the, these are the eight friends you need to be happy in life. Good stuff. Straight ahead, McKenna Baus is going to do a little mind bender with us. She's going to blow our minds. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome to her house. She is McKenna Bouse in the studio. And McKenna has been, uh, she likes to blow our minds a bit. Uh, today she's going to blow it about Black Friday. You bring up a great, a great question, I know, uh, that 
that this is all based on why? Why do people do it? It's a good question. And normally I think most of us assume it's because of the deals. And that's probably why I go Black Friday shopping. You do it. Sometimes. Yeah. Because, you know, oh, it's cheap. You know, I'm going to save money. But when you're looking at most people, especially people who are lining up in those lines overnight, the ones that, you know, are on the news, they're usually not there for the deals. I think they're there for the fight. The fight might be part of it. A lot of it has to do with tradition and community. Oh, really? Okay. So one of the things, and this ties into the same reason that a lot of families go and watch movies at the theater on Thanksgiving. It's this activity that the whole family can get together and do. And people that you don't necessarily always spend a whole ton of time with, you know, extended family that you don't normally socialize with in a lot of amounts can do together, get behind. Let's and all enjoy. go out. Let's all get in a fight at Walmart together. Yeah. A lot of it, people do it because it's what they've always done. Yeah. It very much has this sense of tradition. And it's they've shown through some studies that the people who are there for the tradition, for the community, because it's what they always do, are a lot less susceptible to buying stuff they don't need. That's and interesting. Yeah. So if you're going to be going to That's the mall. That's a good reason to go. Exactly. If you're going to be going to the mall, make sure you have a list. Make sure you're prepared because if you're not there for that atmosphere, it's going to be a million times easier to spend money you didn't mean to See, spend. See, I imagine uh, you know, thousands of years ago, women gathered around the fire on the day after Thanksgiving. This sounds right. And then thinking up a plan for how they were going to go conquer you know, the foraging of foods and berries and nuts. Yeah, it's something instinctual. And so it's been handed down generation after generation, and now they go do it again. Exactly. I like it. it It's tribal. It's communal. It really is. Um, Shopping, it's proven to sort of help, at least in the short term, conquer anxiety. Now, I would never do it. I'm not going out on on Black Friday. Yeah, if you don't enjoy that atmosphere, it's better to stay away. Otherwise, you'll spend money you do not mean to spend. And that's where the plague began, you know. That sounds that sounds right. The Black Friday plague. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you're, you're going to end up maybe doing it. Um, we'll see. This year, I don't know. Again, it's more fun when I've gone with people. Yeah, it's, it's that community the party, kind of thing. Yeah. And so I'll have to. And what does it say friends. about you if you go by yourself? I think then, you're just there for the deals, and yeah. that's when you're in trouble. You're there because you want to shank someone. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very violent. Well, great insight. Uh, so maybe if maybe the people aren't crazy that just do Black Friday, because by the way, you could do it online as well. Exactly. But you would miss the community side. Exactly. There's something about it. There going is. together with those people you love. Thanks, McKenna Baus. Baus is in the house blowing our minds and we appreciate it. Uh, we will continue the journey, folks, doing what we can to help your life, uh, you know, to elevate it if we can. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here, along with Cole and Terry. Uh, Jeff is out traveling with his family. Cole, thank you for managing the the board. Anytime for you, By the way, you're playing some great notes today. Just like, you know, a good keyboardist should. Mm -hmm. Hey, we got a great uh, program today. We're going to be talking about how to survive the holidays with your families. You're going to want to listen up for this one. Jeff left a day too early. Yeah, he did. It's uh, he's trying to go get out there and start, you know, surviving. We will be covering the fact that uh, you one listen to this crazy stat. One in three U.S. adults uh, um, avoid talking politics over the holiday season. Now, 
you've got you've got to avoid it. You've got to full on avoid it. I mean, I don't limit it to just the holiday season. I don't yeah. talk to my father ever. about politics ever. <laughs> ever. Ever. In fact, it's so bad now. People are cutting their holiday visits short by a half hour. Like the, the Thanksgiving dinner, it's going to be a half hour shorter simply so we don't hurt anybody. So nobody's maimed. After all the happy talk and fun courtesy sort of talk is done, it yeah. turns to current events and then you're in this minefield and everyone mm-hmm. wants to go home. How are you? Good, good. How are the kids? Good, good, good. Okay, did I tell you about what Trump said yesterday? Oh, boy. Here we go. Red alert. Here we go. And so according to cell phone data, that's when everybody pulls out their cell phone and they start surfing and searching and no longer talking. And leaving. You got to get out of there. The study also was able to track location data where cell phone (laughs) is at one point versus where it is at another point. They're moving. They're moving. We brought up religion. And a Reuters... Poll said, uh, what, one-third of Americans are going to actively avoid political talk. Oh, yeah. Let's just do that. Let's just do that for everyone. Let's just say this year, let's not talk politics. Let's instead talk. Uh, take a lighter subject. See, I think at that point, everyone needs to actively work and find some topics. Bring three or four topics you would like to speak about during Thanksgiving. Everyone goes to see Justice League the day before. Right. You oh. complain about it during dinner the next day. There you go. That's not politics. It's still divisive. Yeah. Everyone's happy. Right. Nah, and it doesn't not matter. Not everyone. <laughs> everyone is happy. You, you'll be asleep, Matt, because it's, it's post-Turkey. Oh, that's true. Right? You just pass out. Everyone else fights over a movie. But, like, really, think of the news over the last few months. What story can you bring up? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing. I could talk about um, gun control. Uh, the algae that tastes like bacon. There you go. I'm talking okay, those kind it. of stories. Everybody needs to take three stories to Thanksgiving dinner. Find non-political, yeah, interesting stories. You have to do some work. That's yeah. why you got to maybe start right. next year because we're getting kind of close here. But you could start now. You could do look it now. for some interesting stories. We have these MT news stories. Yeah. Right, they're just, we have an MMA. Uh, what is that? Medieval. We, yeah, armored combat league. The armored combat league. Just bring that up. Wouldn't that be great if we could go back to wearing, uh, you know, shiny armor and, and and armored suits and then fight with each other? I bet you'd find out that maybe your grandma would find this very interesting to watch. Oh, grandma loves a good fight. A good fight, an armored <laughs> combat league situation. I think there's stories out there you could bring in as interesting anecdotes yeah. that don't have anything to do with anything divisive. You could maybe just bring up the NFL. You could do that. wonder where that would go. Right, straight to the ball. Okay, so let's not go there. <laughs> maybe bring up the NBA. Can't do that. That's going to go to three guys in China. There's a, that's college basketball, but still, it's, yeah. it's all, there's tentacles everywhere. Mm. Mm. You just got to be careful. Pick your topics. Yeah. But there's a way to do it. I, I've been able to do it for quite a while. Okay. So w- throughout the rest of the week, we're going to be giving you ideas. Other things you can talk about that don't necessarily have to lead to a fight. And then later in this hour, we'll be talking with Nicole Cunningham about what what you can do instead of fighting. Hmm. And instead of just throwing out random topics. You can bring up movies. Well, that's what I mean. You have to have... Maybe if you have like five or six stories, one of them is going to work into the conversation. You won't have to just sort of just shoehorn it you in there. You could talk about Saturday It'll Night Live. Naturally. Right? Right. Bring up some SNL, some of, your favorite old, some of your favorite old people on SNL. Funny episode this week, by the way. Oh, I didn't see it. A lot of, lot of uh, but it's, uh, Thanksgiving turkey talk. 
But is it politically written? There's some political stuff, but the the stuff that I'm talking about is they they had a song because <laughs> everyone likes to have a song around holidays. Yeah. So Chance the rapper, who was the oh wow, really, the, was the uh, the host, Came wrote in. a song about the real Thanksgiving. Oh, neat. And and all the weird things oh, that happened. Oh, I bet that was moving. It was kind of funny. Okay. There was maybe a political reference somewhere in there, but I mean, mostly it was your weird uncle shows up and what he does and then, oh, cool. the, you know, that kind of thing. Everybody relates to that. And he was talking about really the only person that ends in a bad situation on Thanksgiving is the turkey. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Do we ever think about the turkey? No. Make sure you thank the turkey for giving itself so that you could fight over it. Beautiful thought. By the way? Yeah. Turkey dinner last night. Really? Yeah. A my pre, my a wife does pre-Thanksgiving dinner. What a saint. Because we're going to go somewhere else and we're not going to yeah. have Thanksgiving. I mean, she kind of likes that type of a meal. She is a saint. Seriously. So, so you'll have, you have leftovers today. A little bit. Not a lot. So will you go to the leftovers or will you go to the typical, uh, um, what do they call it, salad? I'll just eat. have my salad that I have every day. You'll have the same thing you've because had every day for the last four years. That dinner will be dinner once again. She's going to have other recipes based on the leftovers. But the cold turkey sandwich right. the yeah. day after uh, Thanksgiving right. is one of the truly great things it is amazing. about the world no, still. Totally. Let's just take a second and just, just like a moment of silence for that. Mm. <laughs> what Thank was that you. for? Uh, for the turkey sandwich. Okay. The cold turkey sandwich after. Like somehow it's not happening or just, no, I just, just to remember No, I just think it needs to be remembered and okay. it needs to be remembered with the the real power that it is. Mm. Okay. A lot of us just like throw it in there like, oh yeah, plus there's leftovers. No. <laughs> there's more than leftovers. See, now my wife didn't cook a full turkey. Oh. She just got a turkey breast yes. that you cook yeah, up, right? Yeah, those are good, So too, you, you end up with both sides of the turkey mm-hmm. breast, and you have two meals out of that. Yes. And it's, it took us two hours to cook it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it took two hours instead of, like, you know, 11, because mm. you're cooking a full bird. But you still get – did you have gravy? Oh, yeah. Potatoes, cranberry sauce. <sighs> did you have rolls? Um, no. Well, you need bread. Nah. Stuffing? That counts. That's no. breadish. We, we had potatoes instead. Wow. There's, you only get stuffing once a year, too. You have to savor that. Stuffing, all of that stuffing of needs to be in the bird. Uh, that's this, why they call it stuffing. Yeah, and this makes it a little different when you're yeah. not dealing with the full bird here. My so. grandma makes a mean pan stuffing. So yeah. there's oh. stuffing from inside the bird, yeah. and there's pans. You have two options, which Jeez. I'd take both. Oh, who wouldn't? <laughs> of course. Right. <laughs> wow. Okay. Not everyone's hungry. Sorry. I'm salivating. We got, we got off on food again. I'm salivating. I can't stop. Uh, let's do this then. Let's let's get rid of that good taste in our yes. mouth and let's get to the headlines with Terry Sal. Good taste. Terry, what should to. we be paying attention? White to? House Legislative Affairs Director Mark Short on Sunday suggested that President Donald Trump believes the women accusing Alabama Senate candidate Roy Moore of sexual misconduct are credible. He suggested oh. that the president thinks so. If he did not believe that the women's accusations were credible, he would be down campaigning for Roy Moore. Short said. This on ABC News. Okay, okay. So Short was actually asked 13 times in different ways during the interview whether Trump supports more. He sidestepped the question 13 times. He never definitively said yes or no. Wow, that's an, a good dance. It's an interesting video to watch. George Stepanopoulos doing his absolute 
best, best to, to try to tie get this guy, guy to say down. yes or no. Short said that Trump was concerned about the accusations, but Short also expressed skepticism about the accusations, noting that they did not arise until a month before the election. Trump has not commented directly on the matter, and Moore has said he will remain in the race despite calls from nearly every Senate Republican for Moore to step aside from the race. Moore stands accused of pursuing, as we know, yeah. inappropriate uh, wow. relationship. So it's interesting. You think you think the president would just come out with an opinion? I mean, he doesn't have to judge the opinion, but he he should just say he, he needs to step aside, or he needs to stay in and fight. You know, seems like he'd say something. Something either way, because. He, they're about to lose a seat at this rate. Or win a seat. Well, the Democrats, though, are do you ahead. Think, do you think the people of Alabama who've voted Republican pretty consistently for the last 20 years or more? Yeah, but don't say more. Yeah, I know. Um, do you think they're going to go a different direction? Yeah. I, I feel like they've been galvanized in some way. Well, except but the, in the galvanization, yeah. they're still he's still down eight points, right? As of last week. Yeah. They still got till December 12th but to forget about all this stuff. But then even more people saying, women don't, unite. Don't, don't, you more. You yeah. said more. Sorry, it's confusing more. when you use yeah. more and his name's There's more. There's been additional and, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. people Good. saying, yeah. <laughs> I, I, what if it goes Democratic? That's, boy, that's a, it's a fat lip for the GOP. It is. Okay. We'll see how that works. Mick, Mick Milvaney. Do you hear who that is? Mick Milvaney. No. Director of the Office of Management and Budget said on Sunday that the White House would be willing to scrap the Obamacare individual mandate repeal provision that was added to the Senate's tax overhaul legislation if such an effort imperils the legislation altogether. So we're willing to get rid of one part of it if it destroys Got to get taxes. They want to get taxes. The Senate has included the repeal of the Obamacare mandate. They say they'll take that part out if it means that taxes will survive. Oh, wow. They'll do anything to get these taxes passed. Because if it becomes an impediment to getting the best tax bill we can, then we're okay with taking it out. By adding the Obamacare repeal mechanism to their tax bill, the Senate Republicans are risking losing support from key lawmakers and handing a newly re-energized Democratic base yet another opportunity to mobilize against attempts to dismantle Obamacare. Wow. This is going to get crazy. So you got two moderate GOP senators, uh, Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, have expressed concern with repealing the individual mandate without a guarantee that bipartisan Obamacare market stabilization measures can be approved alongside. Yeah, yeah, because the mandate made it so you were pretty much forced to get insurance. You pull that and then nobody has to get insurance, which messes up the marketplace. Right. So... They're trying to play this game of uh, what can we put in and keep so many senators on board, mm-hmm. and then if we take this piece out, can we get a couple more on board? And so they just kind of they're moving pieces yeah. around, trying to see what what the best plan will be for there. To me, it's like trying Outcome. to get as many senators in, uh, you know, a, a honey bucket outhouse. I was going to say a clown car, but that would be yeah, no, that would be it's yeah. kind of kind of disparate. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, I think the outhouse would be a better metaphor. <laughs> Look, we shut the door. Um, the true cost of the opioid epidemic in 2015 was $504 billion, according to a report released by the White House Sunday night. That figure is more than six times bigger than the most recent estimate determined by a private study wow. from the Council of Economic Advisors. Wow. And by the way, we now see in Utah, at least, states or cities are now starting to file lawsuits against about, the against big the pharma, companies. the pharmaceutical companies that created the. That's going to get wild. What happens when yeah. hundreds and hundreds of cities are like, we need to be compensated for your chaos? Boy, 
Well, what they need is the legislation that was passed with uh, gun makers where you can't sue them hmm. if their gun is used somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> that would help the pharmaceutical companies out, right? Boy, that would be very helpful. It'd be great them. for them. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll get that in the in the works as we move forward. The benefits that come with owning a dog are clear. Physical activity, support, companionship. But owning a dog could literally be saving your life, according to really? CNN. Yeah. Dog ownership is associated with a reduced risk for cardiovascular disease and death, finds a new Swedish study published on Friday. For uh, people living alone, owning a dog can decrease the risk of death by 33% and their risk of cardiovascular death by 36%. Wow. Now, these people living alone with a dog, when uh, compared to single individuals without a pet. So uh, chances of a heart attack were also found to be 11% lower. Multi-person household owners also saw benefits through a less, though a lesser extent, risk of death among these dog owners fell by 11% and their chances of cardiovascular death were 15% lower. But their risk of heart attack was not reduced by owning a dog, which is interesting. Owners of hunting breeds, including terriers, retrievers, and scent hounds, were uh, most protected from cardiovascular disease and death. However, ah. owning a dog will reduce only, uh, we'll see, owning a dog will reduce an owner's risk of death just to different extents, according to the study. The findings also suggest that increased social well-being and immune system development is additional reasons why dog ownership offers protection against cardiovascular disease and death. One factor be- uh, behind this may be because dogs bring dirt into homes and they lick you, which could impact your microbiome, Ugh. the bacteria in your gut, thus affecting your health. Here, boy. <laughs> Mama like, needs a treat, man. So the whole way it's this kind of heartwarming, like, wow, dogs yeah, will keep you great. happy. Yeah, keep and you you're active. thinking like somehow it's a positive thing. You have yeah. a positive mental uh-huh. middle because you have this, this no, thing yeah. that loves you. And, uh-huh. one, and then at the end, it's the microbiome because they're bringing like dirt and stuff and then so they lick you. Can and, I cut out the middle dog and just eat dirt to maybe, have a better heart? Maybe. Maybe that's the solution. Just eat dirt. Okay. <laughs> but you'd miss out on the middle dog. That's true. I'd miss that sloppy little love. Aw. Ooh, <laughs> that's kind of gross. Yeah, I really thought it was because yeah, you had to walk your dog, you had to well, care for if you somebody. Fall, they can go. Yeah, get they you can, out of the they well. Can push your your alert bracelet. <laughs> they had a picture of Lassie along with this story. That's yeah. why that was funny. Um, but the idea of you're 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 single uh-huh. and you have something to care about. Yeah, right. So that just mentally, Mm-mm. it's not about that at all. It's about the lick. It's the microbiome. That it's keeps about you alive. them licking you. <laughs> Do people not wash? I don't know. Man. Well, they let dogs lick their face. That's ah! another, another thing. Ah! That's always. Ah! I, had, I had a dog, and I would let him lick my face, right. but that was different. Why? Because that was, was your dog? He was my dog. He's part of the family, Terry. We hardly ever let that dog outside. I just think of it more as, I wonder what, I wonder what the reverse of this study is. Is it healthier for a dog to live with us? Right. Or would it be healthier without living with us? Well, there is an argument for you're exposed to set, to pet dander, right? Yeah, right. And that helps with allergies. Mm-hmm. The same concept with like peanuts. You give a kid. They're saying now give give kids younger and younger a, a peanuts yeah. to avoid peanut allergies, right. right? Maybe the same as with dogs. I don't know, but some people. That's will what have, I do. Every time I see a baby, I put a peanut in his mouth. There you go, and you can avoid future peanut allergies allegedly. Yeah. And it, could that be the same kind of tolerance you get with dogs around? And I don't know. Mm. But but you are exposed to more things when you have an animal around. Oh, so sure. maybe that makes your immune system more robust. Yeah. Helps it out. That's what it's saying. But it has to go through the microbiome to 
Boy. Yeah. I, who would have thunk? <laughs> I just thought, really, I thought it was just thought, hey, you got to walk your dog. Yeah, it's a mental thing, helping you have a positive outcome on life. No, but it's... Cole makes a great point. Maybe you just, hey, maybe just throw back some dirt. Maybe go sniff all the trees in your neighborhood. Well, we had people on the show talk about the fact that you 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 use the antibacterial soap all the time on your kids, yeah. and you, you keep your kids all you know perfectly clean, and they don't have any interaction with the environment, and so their immune systems aren't set up to fight off things as possibly they should be if they're able to go out and play in the dirt in the backyard. Yeah. Plus, they actually talked about serotonin is in the dirt. No. Oh. So. Uh, one of the reasons why we may be having other kind of mental health issues, depression, anxiety, is because we're not eating vegetables that come directly from the the dirt. And the dirt, and so if you just ate some dirt, the dirt cure was a yeah, the name of a book, the book we yeah. interviewed. Just eat some more dirt, and you'll get some so of that serotonin. In your here's diet. the question: We're at the time of year all the leaves have fallen off my trees. Yeah, I, I try the neighbor's to, yard. I try to keep them cleaned up as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I think I've taken about eleven to fourteen wow. bags yeah. to the county leaf drop place um at the park uh not that i'm just dropping them off at random places yeah, around is the that city. what you're calling it you mean city council <laughs> it's the city park town hall yeah i'm like right in front of the mayor's office bam <laughs> um but my so leaves are getting in the house just one or two yeah but my daughter who's one finds every one of them right let her eat it and she eats them every let time and you walk it. up and you can tell like She's really happy, and she's chewing on something. So you have yeah. to go in and get it because no, you don't fine. know what it is, and it's always a leaf. Right. Should I just let that happen? Yes. Okay. Or get a dog and let the dog lick her face. Take your pick. Pick your poison. She the, likes dogs. She's around dogs. The occasional I, I, leaf or the lick. Hmm. Seems pretty obvious. I'd go with the occasional leaf. All right. I seem I seem frustrated because I, I, I try to clean up and police the yeah. leaves, and I, I'm always losing. You know, so many of them. Yeah. What I like to do when I see my grandbabies, I always like I, I always look at my boot, hmm. pull a leaf off the bottom of it. There you go. Here's roll a good one. it up and just put a little pinch between her cheek and gum. Just drop it right in there. Blah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Just everything goes right in the mouth. It's horrible. But it beats having a dog. Does it? I mean, I mean, expense wise, and I just had a friend that on some level, it's they're kind of the same. Well, their dog's going through cancer treatment. Oh, it's expensive. Yeah. It's really and plus if you haven't seen a shaved dog, it's tragic. Plus he's got that collar of shame. <sighs> this is life, folks. Isn't it crazy? Who would have thought it? It was your it's your gut it's your gut biome. Um a straight ahead we're gonna be talking about how to survive the holidays with your family. You, you gotta, you gotta have the the great gathering, right? But how do you get through the gathering without it turning into a, you know, a a, a fight, an argument where we offend somebody and they never come back? We'll be helping you through it, helping you love stronger, right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. If you are worried about, uh, you know, gathering with your family and it going okay where nobody needs to be injured, then listen up to this segment. Joining us is Nicole Cunningham. She is a master executive coach with 15 plus years of coaching and consulting experience. She's, uh, you'll notice she she has an accent. So so she uh, apparently is from, um, 
she she apparently has traveled the world, Australia, Malaysia, UK, Singapore, and now she's here at Clarity Point Coaching with um, with Kim Giles, one of our great contributors, and we get to have Nicole on the show regularly as well. Yeah, love good to have you. Here. Yeah, we were just talking about Thanksgiving. It's a short week this week, and how neat for you because yeah, you're all your family's. They're not here. So you're, it's just you, your neighbors, it and is. your kidlets. It is, which is super fun. And I don't know how to do any of the turkey or the stuffing yeah. or anything like that. So no need. I just said, I'll bring pie and vegetables. I figure I can't screw You can't that ruin too much. those. Yeah, that's well, what I thought. But well, everyone, we hope, yeah, right? But everyone's got an opinion like, ooh. Well, we that's need, the whole thing we've about got weird food. family, right? right? Is that these things are, are they're supercharged, they're loaded. Right. Have you ever had that conversation with the family member? Now, when we go in, don't talk about this and uh-huh. this and this, and don't look at <laughs> Betty funny. And you know what? You know, such and such has just been divorced. Yep. This is the reality, right? So it, we become super triggered. Totally. This time of year, the holidays are starting. So we've, we've got to get some skills. Is it? And I mean, we also have this history, right? So all of these relationships have a history. And a lot of the people at the table with you, they don't see you as the adult you are. They see you as the 10-year-old kid that spilled his milk, you know, years ago. And they won't kind of let go that you've matured and grown and... Yeah. They may not respect you the same way that That's you right. probably Be- should. Because people hold on to stuff. And look, every person does. None no, of totally, us are excluded. Totally. And I think that's half of the breakdown of the relationships around this time of year is that everybody holds on to the past. They create all kinds of judgments oh. and projections. Yeah. And so our message about going into the holidays is forgive and forgive even when people don't actually deserve to be forgiven. Yeah. Now, because some people, you know, well, I'm not going to do that because that's like enabling them. But you're not forgiving them for their sake, right? I no, mean, to some degree, I'm forgiving for them for my sake, so I don't have to feel the pain anymore. Yeah, so people feel like if they hold on to that, then they're not going to be hurt again. But that's actually one of the biggest misleading things yeah. about forgiveness, right? That's is huge. That if I'll hold on to it, so then I'm not going to be hurt again. Well, there's no guarantees. No. Right? So you're holding on to a grudge for the sake of holding on to a grudge. Instead, we actually need to place healthy boundaries about what we will and we won't allow. Now, to do that successfully, we have to have communication skills. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing that goes out the window with these family parties. Oh, I mean, really. And. People are tired, exhausted, worried about it, and then you don't know how to communicate. Yeah, and then you put sugar and gluten coma on top of it, right, where everyone's ratty and they're overtired and people Uh stay longer than they should. That's it, too. Expectations of how long you should be. I mean, if all you did was go in and eat and then went and did a service project, it would probably be really a wonderful event. Yeah. But instead, we go eat and then we linger and watch the game and ugh. yeah it and it very it can go south quickly mm-hmm. so instead we've got to make decisions about what we will and we won't allow right so yes stay away from politics and religion or right. all of those major yeah. things politics Be- religion money sex people's re- yeah people's relationship status yeah you know, you want to stay away from that stuff unless it's invited for you to actually hear about it. Yeah. And if you are hearing about those things, don't have an opinion. <laughs> I have to tell you the amount of people at the, at the holidays who give unsolicited oh, advice. Yeah. I mean, we're looking, we're all looking no, at each Cole's other. Like, oh, the room. Yeah. oh yeah, I've been in that room. Yeah. Right. So make a decision to not give advice. But if you just realize no advice. Yeah. Just listen. Yeah. Just listen to people. Because everybody has their own ability and their own authority around their own life. <laughs> Maybe it's we not, need to make a poster. You. Should we put a poster up that says rules for Thanksgiving dinner? Yeah, that's right. No we'll just put signs around our head. Right. Like, don't ask me about my relationship status. That's true. Because <laughs> I'm thinking of like Cole, who's a BYU student, and I know I'm going to bet your parents will be like, so you're dating anyone, Cole? 
it's it's likely. Do they do that? It's one hundred percent likely. It's enough to not go right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just say, but what you gotta do is just make it. I was, but she's you know she's in jail. Oh gosh, she's uh, and goes to a different school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, okay, so, so we're help know us, Nicole. How to, how to shut these conversations down. Yeah, what okay? do we do? Because that's what the boundary is. We're not shutting down because it shouldn't be right, spoken right, about, right. but we're putting a boundary in. So like you, Cole, thanks for being interested. And when I have something that's newsworthy, you'll yeah. be the first to know. Yeah. Right? That's loving. That's good. That's soft. It's gentle. Yep. It, it's succinct. It's to the point, And it tells people back off. Mm-hmm. Okay? Without you. Because everybody feels taken off. They taken from. They take too much or they pry too much. And then we get into the car and we, we are really irritable. Then the next family, you know, like They're Christmas. They're going to really take it. Yeah. It's going to be big, even bigger. So make a decision what you will and you won't talk about. That's great. We, um, how about, like, I, I know somebody that they always ask, so... Are you pregnant? When are you going to have the baby? Oh, we hard. want a baby. When are you going to have? And that's so, you don't know what you're stepping into yeah. there. Don't ask. Yeah, just like don't say, "Oh wow, you've gained weight. You must have a baby oh, on the way." I mean, geez. these things happen oh. at the holidays, right? Yeah, yeah. So we've got to make decisions about what we're willing. So what are the safe topics? Yeah. Okay, they're not politics. They're not religion. No. Okay, talk about the weather, the ski season. Yeah, holy ski season. Okay, yeah. let's talk about things that are funny. Let's talk about things that you're doing for other people. Make it not about you. It's so good. Okay, so what are you doing to enrich the lives of others? Hey, you know what? I've got part of this new calling at church. Or, yeah, you know what? Yeah. I've got this new family that I'm really invested in because, you know, they need help with this and this. Make it not about you. That's so good. Because, too... Uh, everyone's trying to get caught up on each other's life. But it's only gossip, that's right? right? That's right. And it, Do and we really, genuinely care or yeah. are we taking this this score? Mm-hmm. Can't, right? can't you see somebody saying, so how's business? How's your business going? They're really not wanting the details of your last profit and loss statement. No. They just are saying, hey, here's something to talk about. How's business? And you can yeah. say, really great. Yeah. We're and helping a lot of people. moving forward. Anyway, and then just change the subject and go. But I guess should you go in having a list of topics? I think so. Don't you think? That would be good to have in the back pocket. Yeah, definitely. You don't need to pull it out. No, you don't want to stand there with the checklist. <laughs> right now, I, I've got a yeah. note here that says yeah. that Nicole and Matt said we're mm-hmm. not, we don't want yeah. to be that. But we do want to go in with having some healthy boundaries because when our boundaries are crossed, that's when that, that fear of loss comes in. And we're like, hang on, that monster comes yeah. out of us that says, hey, this is not okay. And why are you asking me about that? And we become really defensive. And that's when the conflicts start. That's true, huh? So it's almost when you're rubbing on an old, unfixed fear or an unfixed issue. That's when you're going to start seeing something happen. Yeah. Now, if you go in there and you just focus on being the love in the room. Mm, that's a okay, great Okay, I'm just going to go it. in there and I'm going to pour into everyone else instead of making it about me. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm going to remember that all of us have the same value, that I don't have to make myself look better than anyone else. There's yeah. no hidden competition here. Yeah, yeah. There's no scorekeeping. I'm going to go and be the love in the room. That's a completely different energy that you're going to walk into Thanksgiving dinner mm. instead of defensive going, I don't want to be here and they better not ask me about this. Because that's, you know, who doesn't want to be there. Yeah, yeah. And even, you know, and you that may rotate, it. right? That could rotate every year. Yeah, completely. Especially if you've had a bad year. I mean, that's the other thing is some people have just had a bad year. Yeah. And they really don't want to bring it up and talk about it. And they don't want to be minutes. the spotlight. Yeah. So help them out. Right? Be, be the loving relative. <laughs> Distract them. That just says, you know what? We're going to talk about something else. 
right? Yeah. So, and, and again, don't go in and protect those people, but just be really mindful of people's boundaries because not everybody wants it be, to be all about them on Thanksgiving give, dinner. So some true. of us want to creep in the side, enjoy some food, and you know, listen to a few stories and get out of there. Yeah. And that's okay. I'm allowed to have that experience for Thanksgiving this year because maybe there are some things I feel vulnerable about or triggered by in my life right now that I'm working out that I don't want on for the whole family to look at. Yeah, and you bring up a good point because I could could still as a parent be worried about a child and what's going on, but I don't have to fix it and catch up right here, right now during this this dinner. I can – I can try to do that later, try to do that another time, but not during the dinner. I mean, maybe there's a better time to bring up an issue than the dinner when everyone's there. Yeah. And there's something about respecting people's privacy, Yeah, particularly teenagers and young people. Mm. It's a hard time of their life. They're figuring stuff out. You know, where do the boundaries lie between me and my family mm-hmm. and me and my friends and me and my career? And, you know, there's a lot of stuff. And they want some privacy to have that autonomy, that it's my life and I'm going to figure it out. And if I need help, I'll ask. Right. No, totally. I don't want unsolicited advice and I don't want it highlighted for everybody <laughs> to say, well, you know what? He dropped out of college and he's changed his major three times. Oh. Yeah. Thanks, mom. I really needed that today. I really worry about what we do to our college kids too. I mean, mine comes home and every time it's just intense because you're like, so how's school? Good. I mean, they don't want to tell you anything and they don't. And you want to know because you're like, okay, so how are classes? Good. Grades? Yeah, we have those. Yeah. Okay. Well, pass the potatoes. <laughs> yeah. And it's keep the it weirdest. Like that. It really is. It's Don't pry. I guess too, part of it is questioning. So even whoever's asking the questions has an agenda. Has an agenda. And you can hear the agenda. Oh, completely. Yeah. Marriage or whatever that you're asking, it's. You're really talking more about what you think is right. Yeah. So maybe we need to wear signs around our head, uh, you know, and, yeah. and put it around yeah. and say, the update of my life is data, dating status to be you yeah. know, confirmed when I'm ready. Check Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, my classes are going great. You know, let's talk about someone else. But then what's funny is then there's – so there's the one that doesn't want to talk and then there's the one that always wants to talk. Mm. And those are the ones you really want to shut up. Like, oh, don't be talking. Isn't it Here funny? we go. We're not happy either way. Here are we, we go. It's funny. Yes. Yeah. So it's almost the ones that are kind of in between you'd like to hear from. That's so maybe correct. you may be one of those tweeners. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the ace up the sleeve is take a board game, something new yeah. that everyone has to learn. Because if the conversation's getting awkward, let's move let's to a game. Let's learn something, guys. Yeah. Right? Let's move to, tr- to something that's trivia based, mm-hmm. okay? That's not about my life. <laughs> totally good. I mean, there's a lot of fun things you can do. Uh, one of my favorite games is uh, getting on. Get everybody on your uh, television and have them all, what's it called, just stream their favorite YouTube videos. That sounds So then fun. you can all sit around and just share your favorite YouTube videos and everyone's laughing. That's great. And we're not – no one's talking. We're all just laughing about, oh, that was so funny. Have you seen this yeah, one? that's a really good idea. And that can go on for hours and then you're like, oh, got to go. Yeah. So keep it neutral. That's cool. But but more on a personal level, when you're sitting in the car before you go in, make some decisions about how you're going to engage yourself. Yeah. How are you going to close those conversations down without being offensive, without hurting anyone's feelings? How am I going to answer with really neutral stuff, which is, yeah, I'm really good. Now tell yeah. me more about you. Yeah. If you just flip it like that very quickly, 
they won't even notice. That's right. And make make it about love. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, the holidays are about love and connection. They're not about getting out all the secrets of our That's family right. members. That's right. And, That's and, not an expression of love. And you can disclose. I mean, you can, if, if, you know, if you're trying to figure out your major, just say, I'm just trying to figure out my major right now, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a junior and I'm, I'm at the point where I got to make some big decisions. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. And then, hey, and what did you study? And then get into them. That's right. That's and drop cool. the judgment. If yeah. you can make a decision that no matter what you hear, you're going to just be loving and you're not going to have any judgment. Yeah. That's a really critical thing. Yeah. And normalize. I mean, you can also normalize that life's hard. And yeah, you're, I'm proud of you. You're doing great. School's hard. You know, it sounds like you're the t- you're struggling with kids. That sounds like. Normal. Normal stuff. That's just what it sounds like. I remember we were there last year, right? That's so, exactly right. Um, is it, I guess in the end too, if I'm sharing, if I'm, if they're sensing love uh, and I'm serving, I mean, that's another thing you could do during this is serve everybody more. That's right. By listening, mm-hmm. right? But know the cues. If they glaze over or they try and move rooms Away. or- <laughs> if They're know, always dodging it, you. It, it, yeah, they don't want to talk. Right. Okay, so don't, they're not the people to be listening to, but there's someone old who uh-huh. needs, to oh, be heard, needs to be heard, I'm sure. So go and yeah. find somebody who's sitting in the corner that has no one to speak to, totally. someone in the wheelchair with gray hair, right, yeah. and and go and listen to them. Oh, that's such a great idea. Because that's a beautiful thing to do. And I I like to prime my kids a little bit because they're going to want to – my younger kids are going to want to go in and get on their phones – Maybe hang out with cousins, but maybe not. But it might be good to actually have a talk that you, you see these kids once in a while. Let's let's serve. That's right. Let's get in and let's find out about all of them. I love it. I love it. That's pretty cool. Now, remember, if you get upset, you're responsible for that. Yeah. Okay. If you're feeling upset, it's you. It's you. So you get to make a decision how much you suffer because everyone has the same value. If you let somebody offend you, that then you let that happen. And we've it's got true. to forgive in that. Now, unfortunately, because of what happened last year and all the other years beforehand, we're already defensive. <laughs> yep. We've made a decision. We're going to go in there and, you know, we're already got our guard up. It doesn't end well every right. single time. Right. So then, so then uh, it's about you. Manage, that's kind of the emotional intelligence side of this is recognize your own emotion. You don't have to fall for it. You don't have to be hurt. You don't no. have to be offended. And you don't need anyone's approval. Right. Okay. Yeah. And it's not a competition right. as to what you're doing and what the other cousin is doing. Oh, Make a well. decision to be happy for you. That is such good advice. You know, and if you can go in there and be completely bulletproof and not be triggered by fear of failure, fear of mm-hmm. loss, remember everyone in the room has the same value. We're all on a very unique journey. And I don't need to share the details of that, but I can need to feel solid in that, that I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm yep. exactly where I'm meant to be. Yep. We won't be offended. We won't have bad relationship behavior when we go in there. I love it. And worst case scenario, do the dishes. That's a great. Go do the dishes. Once you're doing the dishes, everyone leaves you alone. That's so true. Yeah, walk the dog. You know, you have one. Go play with the kids. Absolutely. If you're the uncle or whatever that goes and plays with the kids and gets all of them having fun, then you don't have to talk to the adults. Absolutely. Or find the two year old or younger that's crying. Mm. Okay, and offer to go in there and you know play Barbie or yeah. do whatever. That's right? Cool. Uh, it's so true. Serve, show up, and serve. It's it's good for you because it, it diverts the attention. Yeah, but it's good for someone else too because people need a break at the holidays too. Oh, Nicole, good stuff. Uh, they can find out more by going to claritypointcoaching.com, right? Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, when you get there, there's a resources page, tons of wonderful resources, uh, podcasts. They've got it all. Uh, Nicole Cunningham's her name. Nicole, thanks for being with us, and happy holidays. Yeah, you too. Happy fun. holidays. A U.S. holiday for Nicole. Oh, you're going to 
you're going to realize why we write these articles. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'll be thrown into the fire this you, year to take my own advice. You totally will. Uh, appreciate it. We're going to continue the journey up next. Our good brethren from BYU Sports Nation will be joining us. We'll find out uh, their take on the BYU UMass game and the loss uh, to UT Texas Arlington. Crazy, uh, crazy weekend for BYU Sports. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. It is that time, folks, to uh, go down and visit our good brethren at BYU Sports Nation, Spencer and Jerem. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, Matt. Hello, How you doing? Why would you ask We've us We've been better. That? Yeah. Why would you ask us that? We've been better. It was a rough weekend for Berkeley. Okay, that's the question. Uh, Cougar, uh, BYU football loses to UMass. Basketball loses to UT Arlington. Which was the biggest surprise and uh, why? Football for me. Really? Football. Senior day against a, a UMass three team. And 18, a three and 17. Yeah. And now four and seven team. <laughs> I just thought we would get more from BYU on senior day. I didn't think BYU stunk that bad. What? That was the, that's the new low point of the season. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like losing at East Carolina felt pretty that was bad. bad. That, was that was pretty really bad. bad. That was bad. But using losing at home on senior day to UMass. Like, UMass is going to pocket that forever. They'll be like, remember when we went to BYU and won that game? Their yeah. radio play-by-play voice said, if we beat BYU, it will be the biggest win in program history. <laughs> really? Yes. That's a low standard. So congratulations on beating a 3-9 and nine <laughs> BYU team, UMass, yeah. for your oh. best win in program history. Okay, and then in – so, yeah. So what, whatever BYU does at Hawaii, whatever. This season you can just control all deletes this puppy. What? And then <sighs> men's basketball. Yeah. UT Arlington's a good team. They came in here and just just hammered BYU in the NIT. Okay? Yeah, they're solid. They yeah. lost their leading score, but they returned everybody else and added some pieces. They're a good team. They're going to win the Sun Belt, I think. Really? Granted, I can't break down the Sun Belt. They're again. a tournament quality team. Yeah, they, they have a pro player on their team or two. Uh, BYU's young, uh, got zoned, did not shoot the ball well, 6 of 27 from 3. So it was a good learning opportunity for this young BYU team. I'd rather have this happen in November than in February. So that's the positive. But, yeah, wow. it, was a, it was a stinky wow. Saturday for those two. Let's tell you some good news. Yeah, what's the good this? news? The good news is the men's soccer team, hmm. who became, went back to the club ranks instead of playing kind of semi-pro, yeah. they won the national championship. What? Yep. On Saturday. Are you? I did not know that. Six wins in three days. Yeah. Boom. There you go. Another good thing, men's cross country, third place at nationals. Highest finish ever. In 25 years and ever. That so is amazing. Uh, but, but a note with that, they said national championship or bust, at least the top runner. And so they didn't win it, so I was disappointed. And then I heard top finish in the last 25 years, and I thought, oh, that's good. But they didn't do what they said they wanted to do, so I'm bummed for them. Oh, wow. And then women's volleyball continues to just dominate quietly. Yeah. We're used to that. We're used to their domination. Yeah. Well, so, so I mean, that, they're, that right there, there's the silver lining. Sure. Women's cross country for I like 11th go- I like in the country. I like gold better. Yeah. Who doesn't? Hey, am I seeing this right? We're, we are playing Alabama in basketball on Friday. Correct. What? We want Bama. How's that going? We got gonna, them. In, in LIU Brooklyn's gym. Oh, wow. Because originally this game was going to be played at the Barclays Center where the Nets play. Yeah. But there's a concert. So oh. they have to play it in a small gym in Brooklyn. Oh, that's crazy. They were already going, already going to be in Brooklyn. So uh, <laughs> um, that's – okay. So how do you see this going? 
Alabama is a top 25 caliber team with a top 10 pick on their roster. And Colin Sexton. And we will be in Brooklyn in a sweaty gym. Okay. BYU plays Niagara tomorrow at home, and then they play uh, at the local YMCA, a.k.a. LIU Brooklyn. (laughs) And then they play UMass in the Barclays Center Saturday. That's a game BYU can win. Now, I'm interested to see... UT Arlington and Alabama play earlier this week, Matt. Oh, so, so you'll get a BYU feel. the team that BYU just played and yeah. lost to plays the team that they will play later this week. <laughs> That'll That's be good insight. Amazing laugh. <laughs> you were running out of breath, so you were pushing hard there. That was great. That was me choking. You sound like the crazy penguin from Penguins of Madagascar. Oh, really? <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's exactly. That's funny because that's what I was going for. <laughs> How did you know? How Give him some more know? cheesy dibbles. <laughs> <laughs> I love me some cheesy dibbles. I love those penguins. Uh, talk to me about your show. Um, what's what's coming up? How will you entertain us in the next for the next hour? It's a reality check Monday. Ooh, I think Jerem is in a really entertaining frame of mind. I love these shows. I love it. When Jerem is not in a good mood. I'm in a bad mood, man. <laughs> Are you in a bad mood? I'm in a bad mood. And he should be. It's, it's It was a terrible weekend. Right, I'm spitting right. fire in that opening segment. Oh, Tune in. I'm spitting I, fire. I can hardly wait. I love it when you spit fire. <sighs> Call me Smaug. <laughs> so you're going to get mean. I'm not going to get mean. I'm going to get real. No, listen. Oh, is the good. truth mean or is it just the truth? They when say it sets you free. The truth cut us to the core. <sighs> Yeah, the guilty take of the truth to be harsh. Yes, layman. <laughs> Thank you. Someone created a Twitter account for layman and Lemuel, on the, by the way. Did they really? Yeah. By the um, way, the great. Book of Mormon. Pokes fun at like Nephi. Yeah, the great duo. But I think in the, in the Twitter profile it says, Nephi sucks. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> really funny. Uh, that's good. That's good. Uh, little, uh, anyway. little Twitter feed people can follow. Yeah. Uh, so that's good. So you'll be, you'll be doing your little rant. But a rant of truth. I wouldn't we'll call, call it a rant. Just, I'm just going to share gonna, my thoughts about where BYU football is at in this season. It's you, just reality yeah. Monday. You're going to unleash the Kraken. <laughs> Something like that. This is good. This course is electric. <laughs> when you're a golf announcer, you whisper. It's what you do. We whisper. So uh, what else is on the show? Uh, we have Trevor Maddich of ESPN joining us live for an entertaining Maddich Monday. Mm. Where does he think BYU needs to address the issues? Does he feel like it's more of a scheme issue with the offense and Ty Detmer, or is it a personnel problem? Mm. Why does he use the phrase closet, bats, and BYU's receivers in the same sentence? Yeah. Audio discretion advised. Oh, really? <laughs> so is it schematic? Is it, pers- is it personnel? I asked that exactly. Or is it uh, hardware? Hardware. Their gloves were bad <laughs> after the season. Their equipment they is the worst slippery equipment. slippery gloves. That was the issue. I knew it had to be that. They replaced those gloves. BYU goes 12 and 0. It is amazing. We just got new gloves. Uh, okay, cool. We're Anything using else? Gardner gloves. <laughs> what else? Anything else we have to cover before I. The, the men's you. soccer coach of the national champions. That is cool. That's really Kellen big. It's amazing what happens when you go to club level. It's a great, it's a great um, case study on just lowering your expectations yeah. and then succeeding. I or, wish so much that BYU men's soccer could become a sanctioned NCAA sport. That'd be cool. I would really like to see them you compete. Should, you should email Tom Homo. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my email together today. Yeah, 
It's super simple, right? Just yeah, uh, it doesn't cost like, a lot hey, of money. Or hey, anything. can we become a sanctioned sport? All right, cool, let's do it. Maybe we should un- desanction some teams. <laughs> oh boy, and sanction others. You're gonna get yep. some angry tweets, <laughs> ladies. Uh oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah and, okay. and BYU men's wrestling and gymnastics cut in Gonzola. the 90s are going to email you, too. So, Ooh, yeah, you've yeah. opened a can of worms I just there, don't. boy. Way I to just, go, Matt. Uh, sorry, guys. Anyway. No, you, Spencer, opened the can of worms. Just, just nope. direct, direct, you your, direct your I tweets, I threw it out too. there. Matt opened it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you offered it. You took it. I, I didn't even know I was opening it, just to be very clear to all the listeners. Just tweet uh, BYU Sports Nation. Um, che- cheesy dibbles. Okay, guys. <laughs> Go take your go take your cheesy dibbles. Good luck, gentlemen. Have a great show. Thanks. Good luck, knock of dead. Boy, oh boy. Apparently I'm I'm in trouble. I didn't trouble. know what you were getting yourself into I there. Didn't. I love all teams. You know? All teams equal. I understand Jerem's a little bit of Jerem's fire because he was here in this building producing both of those live events. Oh, I, I was here doing the heard, radio side of things as well. Stressing. It's tough when you show up at 10.30 in the morning, don't get to leave until 10.30 at night, and all you have to show for it is a couple embarrassing yeah. no, that's, watches. Oh, uh, and exa- just the exhaustion of then having to come back on Monday and talk about it. Oh, yeah. <sighs> okay, let's get to happier news. Our hero story, we always like to end with a hero story. Uh, Kavana Stevens graduated as valedictorian of her class and became the first of her family to head to college Thanks in part to teacher Jason Bowl, who helped her apply. Now Bowl is stepping up for Stevens again in an even bigger way. The 18-year-old told the Pittsburgh teacher in October that while she was getting good grades, she might not be able to afford to stay in college at Philadelphia's Temple University, Bowl's alma mater. With Stevens okay, Bowl started a GoFundMe campaign that passed its 7,500 fundraising goal in just about a week. The Pittsburgh Post-Gazette reports uh, Bull closed the fundraiser when $8,500 $8, had been raised. Since that covers what Stevens needs for the rest of the school year, but he encourages backers to share any scholarships or other financial assistance that they know of for students. Are you, are you kidding me? The teacher is now becoming the fundraiser to help this person get to school, Kavana Stevens. How amazing is that? How would it be if all of us took that much uh, care to make sure the people around us that we influence were able to get the, the full opportunities in life? Anyway, that uh, Jason Bowles, the hero of the day on the Matt Townsend Show, and congratulations to Kavana Stevens for qualifying and using the money to get to school. That's what it takes, folks, to be a hero. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to do everything. You just have to do what you can do. And that is the show. We'll be back again tomorrow to help you live longer, love stronger. BYU Sports Nation is up next.